0: Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk.
1: Welcome back to the Masked Glass Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Hader Robbani. This is the Manchester United end-of-season review with myself and Rob Blanchett. Manchester United have finished second in the Premier League, Rob, with a good win today considering we made a lot of changes against a Wolves side who are obviously wanting to get a good result uh, with Nuno Esperanto santo leaving. But all in all, you know, a decent season, and we'll break that down with some of the statistics as well. But how are you feeling after that Wolves game? And uh, how are you feeling about the season as a whole?
0: I think it was a really good performance against Wolves. I was quite pleasantly surprised. I thought when you brought the kids out like that, that there was always going to be maybe difficulties. I think what you saw with the Wolves goal, it was all a little bit of a mess in defence. And I think that comes about from not playing together. But the performance itself was really, really good. It's great to get a victory at the end of the season. And also to see that Manchester United have gone a whole calendar year now, a whole season unbeaten in the Premier League away from home you know, these things, they don't, they're not the be-all and end-all of everything, but it's about getting to where you want to be. And if you're if you're putting that kind of shift in, that kind of record away from home in the Premier League, this year's been a very, very different season due to COVID and obviously the recovery from that and finding a way for games to be played. But I think there's huge credit needs to go to Ole and the players to be prepared for that uh, and to keep that record going for as long as they have done and taking it now into next season. Um, I think the season itself, you know, you said it's been a decent season. I think the second after Liverpool and Manchester City were so dominant last year, to be able to break those two up, whatever their kind of relationship to the campaign has been, I think it's been great that United have kind of taken that second spot and also solidified it. Even when at the last end of the season here, where we're thinking about the Europa League, they're still pushing on, they're still finding ways to win games. And I think it puts United in a very, very good place for next year. 100%
1: 100% Rob you know and just to quickly touch on the Wolves game it was great to see Alanga get his first goal uh, you know 19 year old playing for his boyhood club is absolutely fantastic what a great cross by Dan James as well uh it was interesting to see Ahmad play as a false nine I actually wanted to see that um and that was good we saw van der Beek deep as well I thought Axel had a fantastic game he was my man in the match I think he should be partnering Lindelof if Maguire isn't free so all in all you know considering Oli rotated very heavily it was a really good result and a good way to end the season. We got to see Medjuri play. We got to see Shoré Tire play as well. So positive and uh, United can focus on the Europa League now.
0: Yeah, totally. And again, this game was a little bit of a dead rubber. There was, as I called it, the Nuno testimonial because that's really what it was. It was about Wolves today and about him leaving the football club. Uh, and that could have been a difficult situation for Ole and the team to navigate. He could have gone there and actually been caught up in a wave of emotion and got beaten. But instead, what they did do was that they controlled the game for a long periods of time. And as you just said there, you know, lots of little bonuses, Alanga's first goal for the club. I think Ahmed looks a player, doesn't he? You know, like we're talking about solutions on the right and in the attack and who do United need to buy? Well, there's one lad who you think might participate a little bit more next season. And just overall, I thought, you know, Zabe had a good game. He looked, again, much more relaxed than he has done in maybe previous performances where he's looked a little bit rushed and a little, little bit rusty. Um, but a good performance, a good result. And I think, again, for, for United, this, t- this didn't mean much. What it really meant was to keep players fit for the big game on Wednesday because the Europa League final is what matters
1: absolutely on, on Ahmad you know you can tell that he's got his technical fundamentals you know he looks like he's a technically sound player and that's that's a great thing to see at a young age um, but Rob let's move on to you know discussing this 2020 2021 season Manchester United finishing second I'm just going to bring up the um, you know sort of statistics compared to last season so you can see across the screen here we're comparing last season to this season so last season we finished third this season second Points tally was 66 last season to 74, so a marginal increase. Wins, 18 last season, 21 this season. Losses, we uh, we bettered last season, which was eight, this season six. Goals four, again, we scored a few more. We scored 66 last season and 72 this season. Goals against 36 last season. Our defence wasn't as good this season. You know, if you look at these statistics, Rob, actually... It doesn't look like much of a difference. You know, a couple more wins here, a couple more points here. But actually on the eye, United are better this season, in my opinion. Apart from the, back in the last season where we played some great football. But looking at United this season, it's quite interesting that on the eye, United look better. But if you actually look at the statistics, you know, on the surface level, it doesn't look like there's too much of a difference.
0: I think seven points is a huge difference. So when you're at the top end of the table, of course, we've been looking at these huge totals of where City and Liverpool run away with it, and they've been double digits away from other teams. And that's a kind of fallacy. It's not always real. It's just how their form has been so outstanding and the rest of the league haven't been able to keep up because they've just bet so much better than everyone. But you're looking at making these kind of percentile increases every season. And when you look at those metrics there, all right, 30 seconds doesn't seem a lot, but We know, as we just said there, the difference between City and Liverpool. Um, Seven points over a campaign over 12 months. And is it three extra wins and two less defeats? That is solid, tangible progress. They're not the kind of stats that maybe your common football fan gets excited about. They want to see more. They want to see double digits. They want to see a 20-point increase season on season. But when you're at the very top, when you're in that top four, that is not going to happen. You're only going to get five, six, seven, eight points increases. And some seasons you might even be flat. You might have a good campaign and you might get the same points as you did last year, but it might be in a tougher season because you had injuries or other teams were just slightly better or whatnot. There's loads of things. So I look at those metrics. I think they're really, really positive. And I said seven points over, over that season, over kind of, when we've looked at COVID and the issues and seven points where man United have been terrible at home, like really bad over the season that tells you what they could do at Old Trafford. If they get it right, that seven points could be 10 could be 12 could be 15 points. And then when you're talking about a 15 point increase, Haydar, you're talking about a title challenge.
1: Absolutely. Rob, look, let's talk about before we dive into some of the more of the, uh, the metrics, but let's talk about, this season now difficult start no preseason United lose I believe three in their first four it looked really 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 poor we obviously had the Spurs result sandwiched in there as well and then United seemed to pick it up I remember the Everton game in particular um, where United won 3-1 it was a really good performance and that's where it seemed to kick on and then we had a really good Christmas period and United sat top in January and I think what was disappointing for me is that we got ourselves up to the summit and then within a week Sheffield United, Everton, we completely lost it. Um, and then we've we've sort of chugged away. I think you know we've had some a fantastic away record, as you said, unbeaten in the whole in the whole year. Um, in terms of the Premier League, Champions League was a massive, massive failure for me, and that was a very disappointing um, situation. But in terms of Premier League, you know, on a scale of A being fantastic, B being uh, you know very good, C being average, where would you rate United's season this season?
0: What for the for what part for the Premier League did you say or or overall? yeah,
1: for the Premier League
0: if if an a is winning the title, if you want to kind of put it as binary as that, then United are a B, aren't they? You know, because United came second, and I don't really want to judge it in that way because I think that grading it is a it's a little bit too faux for me. There's no nuance in it, you know, and you're just saying there about the the way the season swung. You Know we were top of the tight, ty- we're top of the uh, the pile at one point. And there was also the point where Manchester City were underperforming at the start of the season, and that kind of left the door open maybe for everyone else. So Tottenham were top at, at one point as well. There were other teams who were hovering around that top position. But for me, it was more about how did Manchester United maintain their oxygen in the top four? How did they stay there? When we know that this team over the last two or three years, Haydar, have got to a point where you think they're they're kind of okay, and then you kind of realize they're not that okay, and they kind of fall off a little bit. So that's that buzzword of consistency, how consistent are Manchester United. And we would all still sit here today and say they're still not 100% consistent. But hey, if you're not losing a single game away from home all season, that kind of points towards consistency, doesn't it? So there's a, there's a balancing point there. I think it's been a successful season simply because Manchester United look like that they've got the taste for it. You know, they look like a team that wants to push on. And I think under Van Gaal and under Mourinho, they looked like a team that was kind of content to kind of get so far and then maybe just fall off the wagon a little bit until they were kind of pulled back on or they had to kind of fight their way back into contention for a top four spot. No doubt the Champions League was a failure this year. But I think, again, we've got to get real. Manchester United were not good enough to win the Champions League. And the irony of that is is that they started the group stage so well and it looked like it was going to be a breeze in a tough group. But then reality bit us on the backside and we end up out of it and we end up in Europa. So I think probably we are a Europa League club overall, you know, when you kind of compare all of the metrics and United are probably not a team that should be expecting to do well in the Champions League this season but now after becoming second in the league and maybe building in the summer and obviously we are going to talk about transfer targets on this show quite a bit later on um, you should be able to push your way into position where you might at least think about contending for those titles. Whereas I think this year, we're, we're all sometimes United fans are a little bit too ahead of themselves. They think because we are a great big, huge football club that if we're not contending or something's not happening, or they're not happy about something. Ole's playing a system that's slightly negative and I don't like it, that that's regression. And that's not really the case. I think when you look at United this year, there's been tons of progress across multiple positions, but yes, United still needs to get better.
1: Let's bring a few statistics in Rob and um, I've got a few here. So one of the ones that stands out to me is the uh, the goals scored, you know, United has 73. Only City bettered that. You know, Manchester City went away with 83 goals. Last season City scored over 100, about 106. So considering where United were last season to this season, you know, United scoring more goals and you need to score goals to win titles. Certainly. I think where United have faltered, and this has been said many times on many podcasts. Fans know this, but we're conceding too many 44 goals. If you look at Manchester City, they managed to fix their defense. Ruben Diaz came in again, 32 conceded for City. And, uh, you know, going forward, that's probably where United need to improve. But one of the areas, and I'm going to bring in, you know, sort of how many goals United are scoring per 90 minutes, they're scoring just under two. And if you look at Liverpool and City, they're scoring around two to a game. Is that an area where United need to look now and think, right, we need to possibly bring in a striker or or is it actually looking at the back end and they need to tighten up?
0: They need to find balance. So what I mean by that is that, yes, you're going to concede goals, but don't concede stupid goals. So when you look at the the, the kind of metric between City and and United, there's no doubt that the reason why Manchester City have won the title this year is because last summer they went out and sorted out that problem of conceding stupid goals. So Diaz has come in, John Stones has kind of stepped up to the plate and they've found a way to win games from a solid foundation. Now, I think United overall have pretty much got that. I don't think United concede too many stupid goals what they concede sometimes is a little bit of softness in the center so we find that as we said like Maguire and Lindelof you might find that Lindelof gets beaten one-on-one or in the kind of muscle test now you could have said that about Maguire last year but Maguire I think has sorted that out this season so he's actually improved his performance then we look along the back line Aaron wan you know, his issue really isn't defensively, but as we've said, there's an issue between him in the channel with Lindelof. So that's something that needs to be fixed. You then look at Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, last year, people might have said was really good defensively, but wasn't really cutting it at the other end of the pitch. Now Luke Shaw has transformed all of that. So if we say, does United's defense need to improve? Then the answer is yes. But how do you improve it? How do you get there to the next step? Is it tactical? Or is it a player? Do you bring in a player that can do something at the heart of your defence and do say what Van Dijk did at Liverpool or what DS has done at Manchester City this season? I think the answer to that question is probably yes not 100% but if you can find a center back that gives you a bit more solidity and look you you read those out there the the, the difference between united's goals conceded and then city's goals conceded still over the course of you know 36 38 games yeah it's it's still minimal it's not a lot you know when you talk about it per average it's a, it's a it's a hammering isn't it so like if you go and get hammered against tottenham hotspur then that's always going to make your goal your goal difference look worse but we also got to remember that Liverpool got hammered by Aston Villa by seven we were doing a show when that was on and City also got hammered at home by Leicester City so it does happen you do have games where you can see bad goals but it's more about your day-to-day life making sure that in the Premier League every weekend and in those games in midweek you're not losing goals to silly scenarios and I think United have been guilty of that certainly through uh, the Van Gaal and, and Mourinho heroes and I, but I think Ole has helped himself with that. I think he's got to a point where they're not really conceding too many awful goals. It's more about tightening up maybe some of the softness and then having that bit more rigidity in the centre of defence. <laughs>
1: Uh, Rob, something I want to bring up here. I mean, Chris is pretty spot on. We need to stop leaking goals from set pieces. That is one of the first things United need to address in the in the summer. Yeah, you know that that's that's a mixture between. I think they need, I think they do need another centre back, and we'll talk about centre backs later. But also, I think they need to they need to fix. You know, it's not like one system's a problem because you know it's most teams play a hybrid of man marking with zonal. It's just that I don't feel like United have got a big side, Rob. But I don't feel like they. You know, they're commanding in the box um, and there's concentration levels as well. I do want to bring up another comment here and I want to ask you your opinion. So, you know, Joseph's saying here, it's hard to judge teams this year with no preseason and games every three to yeah. four days. Next year, we'll see if we're learning on the training pitch. Alan's Green. saying here as well, something similar with an actual preseason and more time to train midweek instead of always playing two games per week. We played two games a week, I believe, since... October. And the reason why I remember that is because we were doing shows pretty much two days a week. Um, and and was saying here we'll be able to judge the coaching staff's performances on the pitch better next season. This this summer is really it's gonna be really difficult, Rob, because we've got the Euros. A lot of these players in United squad will be playing in the Euros. You know, how I uh, you know, sort of a question I'm gonna ask, it's kind of looking forward, but how does Oli and his coaching staff actually manage this? Because they're gonna to want to get players in early, and it's very unlikely they're gonna get players in early for pre-season. They're going to have to give possibly extended leave to people like Rashford, like, uh, like Maguire, like Bruno, probably They're all going to go and play in the Euros. So we want we're talking about we need time on the training ground. And the reality is, a club like Manchester United, a club that wants to challenge for European titles and Premier League titles, is going to need to is going to need to play twice a week because that's what's required from a top squad. So how do you actually fix these issues when we talk about this time on the training ground? But we probably won't get it over the summer because of differing factors.
0: Well, you don't ever get it over the summer anyway, you know, but like, let's be honest. So you've got the Euros coming up. That, that adds complications, no doubt about it. But in the summer, you're trying to get your players rested for the next season. That's the idea. So like you just said, there will be kind of extended periods for players who are playing lots of matches, and that's the right way to do it. It's up for Ole and the coaches to go away and work on their philosophy. You know, they need to look at their methodology. And that's about how they teach stuff. But then they also have to about how they present things to the team to make them be the kind of club that they want them to be. So let's talk a little bit about set pieces. One of the reasons why all the top teams play zonal is because it's easier to coach. Why is that? Because you can say to someone on a bit of paper, this is the zone you look after. So let's think about the front post. Yeah, United, you go and get someone and you say, this is your front post duty. This is how you do it. We'll practice it a a bit. But the thing is Hayda, like I've said in previous shows is that you're not going to spend weeks putting that ball on the front post so that guy can practice heading the ball away that's not how it works so you do zonal because it's much more easier to teach just in a kind of um, in a technical way But then Ole has to decide about what's not working. And this is why I highlighted there at the top of the show, maybe the softness in defence, because I think that's what it is. We're not saying that Victor Lindelof is a bad footballer with the the whole kind of spectrum of defending, but there are key parts of his game that are missing that hurt United. So Maguire is slow. That hurts his game. But... It hasn't hurt his performances this year, has it? So Harry Maguire has kind of proved that if you put things around him in the correct order, both players in front of him and behind and a goalkeeper, that he can keep his side of the bargain. Now, I want to see a little bit more aggressiveness from set pieces, and I think that means in both sides, both ends of the box. What I would say, even though we've got Bruno and this year we brought in Tellez, who was a set-piece specialist, is that United set-pieces are still not particularly great in terms of delivery 14
1: rob conceded that's how many this season it's a well, lot
0: 14 conceded is a lot but say you get that 14 down to just seven you're that you then could win the title it's it's kind of that's the margins so yes we do need to get better from set pieces but i must admit fans must can't get obsessed by these things because they're kind of like itches you can't scratch because they will go and practice them, but they're not going to go and practice them like Burnley. They're not going to go and practice them like a club in the bottom six because those clubs, like maybe Big Sam's teams and people like that who who rely on more physicality, they will rely on those parts of the game a lot more than United. I want to see United learn to pass the ball five yards. I want to see players who are more than competent to do jobs on the deck a little bit more. I want to United practicing that. So this is where Ole needs to get the balance, is that he can look at the big weaknesses in the team. But I don't think that there'll be a huge change in maybe the way that they approach the presentation of the game. Why is that? Because they're second in the league. You know, if they were fifth or sixth or seventh this year, then I think we'd be talking about a little bit more. Leicester City have just failed by coming fifth and they've been in the top four for over 200 days. Yeah, more than anyone
1: else. So I tell you
0: what, everyone will sit here, won't they, with their hats on and say to you what a great coach Brendan Rodgers is. Brendan Rodgers is one of the best coaches in the world, and I believe he is, totally. But Brendan Rodgers, his team just came fifth when it should have come top four. Oregon and Solskjaer's team came second when people think it should have come sixth or seventh sometimes. So I think there's a balancing point there about what fans expect from their manager because it, it becomes a style issue. But I would like to see United just... Just get that passing a little bit crisper, a little bit quicker. And I think that that will have a bigger payoff in terms of results.
1: And Rob, just to bring up a statistic of United's past completion across the season, so United, 84%. Um, to compare that to Liverpool, Liverpool just marginally better, 84.3%. City are sitting there, as expected, 88.3% best in the league. Yeah. If United can improve that a little bit, I mean, if you look at United's possession as well, I do want to bring this up because last season, United's possession was about you know 50%. This season, 56.2%. Yeah, And we looked at United's record against the bigger sides this season. And I think this is key because... We, we had a pretty poor uh, record, didn't we? I know we beat City, um, but our record this season against top six is worse than last season. And a lot of the reason is because United have tried to play a little bit more football. And, you know, last season we were looking to counter more, sit and soak up and then hit teams. But if Oli can get more quality in, if we can play, play with the ball better, you know, United could find themselves, like you said, five, six more points up and, and they could then be challenging. So I don't think I know this season we were behind City, but we weren't really challenging Rob. I know the table might suggest that we were close, but it was never really a t- it was a title charge for about a month, and then and then after that, you know, we were just fighting for second, really.
0: But a lot of that was about how good Manchester City were. Manchester City had one of the greatest seasons of all time from a Premier League team. They really, really did. That's how good their metrics were over a period of the season. Now, I said at the start of the campaign that I thought City would win it. They were my tip from day one. And after seven games, I was going on shows and people were saying to me, oh, you still think Man City are going to win it? And I was like, yeah, because when they get it together, they'll get it together. And I think that they could win 10 on the bounce. I was saying that quite a lot. And then they went and won something like 22 on the bounce so what they did was incredible so I don't think we should look at them and say ah we didn't do what Man City did this season so it wasn't really a good season or we weren't as good as we could have been I think Manchester United probably were as good as they probably could have been what was how many games did we lose in the end was it six uh, Six games yeah. so if we'd said on day one that we were only going to lose six games a season and not lose away from home Every Man United fan would have bitten your hand off for that 100%. It had gone, that's incredible that they're going to do that. So sometimes we need to just breathe a little bit and then kind of look at it with a bit more of a clear head and say, you know, where are we in terms of what we have to be for next season? And I think this year, that from the end of the last campaign, where many people were after Ole's neck and they still are, let's be honest, United fans still are not 100% convinced across the board, that the football itself, I think, has improved. And as you said, they've tried to play a little bit more. When you look at the possession stats there, there's only 4% difference between an elite passing team like Manchester City, who are like the best in the world, and Manchester United, who are considered a counter-attacking team. So United have actually got a lot closer in that way. But possession doesn't win you the title. What wins you the title is scoring goals and stopping goals but also finding balance. If you find a balance game to game, you've only got to win every game 1-0, Haydar. I always say this in the league. Three points is the same across the board. It's just about learning to win. Performances are great. You want great performances. They make you feel good, but it's more about consistency and finding a way to put away opponents. I always say to you, don't I? It's not really about the top six. doesn't matter what your record is. It's the bottom 14. How do you play against the bottom 14? Today, United went to Wolves with a bunch of kids and just put them away. Now that wouldn't have happened last year or the year before United probably also, come here. And they lose. He was
1: struggled, Rob, against them. And I was course. thinking that during the game, yeah. you know, these kids, these kids played really, really well. And, and they uh, played reserved. with freedom.
0: They they played with freedom. And why did they play with freedom? It's because of how their manager is coaching them. So, you, you know, again, today United win the game. There's no one really saying, oh, well done Ole. They're just saying, wasn't it great to see a goal from one of our kids? Or wasn't it great to see Juan Mata gets a goal in potentially his last match? So those are the narratives. But the truth of the story is that that's a reflection of Ole Gunnar policy as a coach.
1: Absolutely, Rob. Now, let's move on. Well, actually, before we move on, I do want to read this uh, comment out from the Green Devils. He's saying, the chemistry in midfield has to be sorted. We have good mm-hmm. and decent players in there, but they aren't the right combination. We've been saying this all season, but... That's a good point as well and that does lend to the to the statistic that United have got you know let's say four percent less possession than Manchester City because Manchester City have Rodri they have Gundogan they have uh Fernandinho and you look looking at United's midfield we've spoken about McFred in length and we know their limitations but you know I know it's very sort of like it's binary to say if United bring in a better ball player will they will their possession go up but it does lend to the fact that actually considering the fact there is McFred sort of running this midfield, it's a positive that United are sitting in second. It is a positive that we are, I believe, what was it? 10 points behind City um, around about that. That is something to build off, isn't it? Going into next season.
0: It's something to build off, but it's also something not to obsess about because if you obsess about it and, and always just look at the gap, then the gap gap can be an indicator of where you are. There's no doubt about it, but it's how do you actually just, how do you sort out your own house? Hey, it's one of those things. Do you know what I mean? You have to look inside and kind of work out each room and find a way to make your house better or stronger or whatnot. So like you just mentioned there, McFred and of course McFred, like parts of this team are not particularly popular there was some social media going around, I think, yesterday of Scott McTominay pinging a ball on the outside of his right foot, 50 yards to like on a, on a penny. And you kind of look at it and you kind of go, Scott McTominay can pass a football. He can. So how do you make that be replicated in matches? Because this is the issue. The issue is like McFred's maybe it's their pressure, small there's game. Lots of things, yeah. Absolutely. But of course, if their game is to break up in front of the back four, And then to get the ball going to other players, which is kind of what their game is, it's about it's an energy game from the double pivot. Then you can't massively criticize them when we're saying, Well, why are you not playing more progressive football? Because they're doing a function, it's a function within the team. The function has to come that the ball playing has to come from the ball players, Bruno. Pogba And I include Rashford a little bit in that. People will say he's not a ball player. But the whole point is, is that if the ball's at your feet laterally and you've got to get it forward, you have to make good decisions. And I would still say for all three of those players, and I would say especially Bruno Fernandes, who's had a great season, that he can do that better. He could be a better ball player. And I'm more concerned about his ball playing than I am Fred's. Because Fred is going to run around for me, and make some tackles, and look a little bit crazy. But do you find another player who can play the pivot, that would be fine, but who? And we'll talk about players because uh, about players coming into the football club. But today we saw Donny van der Baek playing in a double pivot. And one of the things that people said today was, Oh, wasn't it good to see a ball player in a double pivot? And it worked and it was fine. But you've also got to remember there was like nine other, ten other players out there that Donny doesn't normally play with. So he looked quite good in that system with those players, but you wouldn't sacrifice all your other play all your other pieces just so you could have a ball player at number six. Works against Wolves in the dead rubber. Does it work at Anfield against Liverpool? Does it work against Man City when you want to play a fast counter-attack? Probably not. So these are the kind of other questions. And I do think that United would like to add in a midfielder, a central midfielder that could play maybe six and eight, the, the role in the middle, or a floating eight. And you could have someone like Basuma who could do that. But then you have to kind of commit to go and buying that kind of player. And I don't think that United this season will be looking at that unless Paul Pogba leaves the football club.
1: And it does seem like Arsenal look like the most likely choice now, and it's surprising, but it does seem like that at the moment. Uh, Rob, I do want to just address this comment quickly before we move on. There's a couple here. One here saying performances matter because when you don't perform, you're more likely to lose. That is absolutely spot on. Um, You know, I think we saw that, especially the game against Fulham. I know we didn't have as much to play for, but when performances, you know, performances do matter because you can't just rely on, you know, moments in the game.
0: Yeah, but what I'll say is this, and uh, look, we've talked a lot about United being a moments team and how that is an issue. Um, I covered a lot of Liverpool's game last year in the championship season when they won the title. And I tell you what, for the first 20 games, they were they were rubbish, but they won games. I've watched United for years and I've seen United play terrible football under Fergie, but win games because that's what it's about. It's at the end of it, when you've had a game, you can say I've had a bad game, but if you won 1-0, it doesn't matter. So United have to get into the habit of winning. And I think they're getting there this season. There's also the, that other side of it, Haydn, I was saying not having the habit of losing or not accepting losses and then kind of going on two or three or four defeats. So look at Tottenham. The reason why Mourinho collapsed there is because he just couldn't get it going again. Now, they're a winning team. They're a team that wants to win, being in the top four. But you lose that verve. Liverpool this season lost that verb six defeats at Anfield unheard of in a row so it does happen but it's more about maybe practicing that that kind of ethic and that philosophy of saying no we're going to be a team that if we play badly this week we are going to win it's no good playing well and losing because no one remembers it no one remembers it so performances are important but they're more important for your own self-esteem. They're more important for how you feel about yourself. They're not really that important for the league table. The league table is just about numbers. Rob, last
1: one before we move on to player of the season. Say, yeah. uh, you know, a comment here saying, Should we compare city with United quality wise? City away ahead of United. We should, though, Rob. I'll tell you why. I understand yeah. the point about them being further ahead. We have to, though, because that's the level we want to be at. So you have to compare yourself. There's no point comparing ourselves to Chelsea, Leicester. You can do it to Liverpool because they were champions last season, but that's where the top is and that's where we want to be. And you have to compare yourself with the best. Otherwise, you're not going to be the best, you know, if you're not aiming higher.
0: You do have to compare yourself with the best, but like I said, it's a little bit of a he-she-said uh, thing, Haydar. You know, like you look in the mirror and you wonder, you kind of go, oh, you know, what are we? Well, the problem is this, is that as long as Manchester United can sort out their own stuff, of what they need to do, improve themselves, you don't really need to compare yourself to anyone. Because Manchester City next year, you, Ruben Dias might break his leg on day one. You might find that with the, out Aguero, they find a problem with their equilibrium. You might find that Kevin De Bruyne get, gets injured and is out for a while. You might find that they go and buy a big star player Who doesn't cut it for whatever reason and suddenly they're back in the world of Vincent company so when they lost company you could see that they fell off the edge of a cliff even though they're still a very good team so we can compare ourselves but I just think that again for our own self-esteem in football it doesn't help us become better we can say yes we'd like to be up there but I think it's more about what do we do at United what do we do at Carrington how do we find solutions both tactically and with the player personnel to, to become the team that plays badly, but you know what wins 2-0 every week? You know, like Liverpool did last year. It, it, it was about adding the correct players and making sure that system was tight around it. I don't think that comparing ourselves too acutely to a team like Man City, who had 4% better passing uh, completion than us this year, I don't think that 4% gets you the title You know, there will always be a better passing team than us, probably. What's better is to make the Manchester United way more effective and finding ways to win football matches.
1: Well, that's the thing, Rob. Even when Wenger was... uh... Was there at Arsenal? They're playing better football than us in terms of, you know, aesthetically it was better, but yeah. United you know, are winning. But Rob, let's move on to player of the season. Guys, thank you for all your comments. We want to know who you think United's player of the season is. What we're going to do is myself and Rob have both picked a player. I think we both wanted to pick the same player, Rob, to be honest with you. And we'll start with yours. And it's going to be Luke Shaw here. And we've got a couple of his statistics across the bottom. Um, look, Rob, looking at Luke Shaw's performance this season, not even looking at the statistics, looking at it with, you know, the eye test very progressive very consistent in his performances playing at a level that i didn't expect him to play out not because i didn't think he had the talent because we hadn't seen anything pre the leg break to suggest that he could even play at this level he um you could see the difference when he doesn't play when teles used to come in and then you're looking at some of these statistics i'm just going to pick a few out so um look we've got to look at the progressive passes because He's up there in the 90th percentile, which is very, very high. Progressive carries as well. It's what you want to see from Luke Shaw. United lack, I think, in their team progressive carriers and progressive passes. He's very key to Manchester United's attack. We saw the back end the last season when he didn't play in the Europa League game, I believe, against Sevilla in the semis. Uh, Brandon played, and we saw the impact and the effect it had on the system that he wasn't playing, especially going forward. And uh, the other one as well, Rob, I want to hear want to look at here is the SCA so that's shots uh, creating action so that means that you know they they are two offensive actions directly leading to shots such as a pass or a dribble so Luke Shaw is very very involved in the build-up and through him you know he's in the 97th percentile through him he's allowing other players to have shots off at goal which is uh which is an interesting metric I think which I want to bring up today so having a look at these and we will compare him to Joe Cancelo who's been very good I know he plays on the right but he's been a very good player How does this match up to your view of what you've seen from Luke Shaw with the old eye test?
0: I think kind of looking at it completely as as an overview, I said at the start of the season that if Luke Shaw could sort out what he needed to sort out and Manchester United could have a fullback that raided, that actually got forward and also did the defensive side of the job, that United could penetrate that top two or three, that they could get closer to whoever wins the title. And I thought Luke Shaw was key in that because I didn't think that Aaron Wampacker was ready to do that. And I think we've seen it this year that he's improved on the right-hand side going forward, but he's still not quite the, the player that he will be in future. I think with Luke Shaw, the reason why I said at the start of the season that he could be our player of the season and now I've picked him as our player of the season is that he is wholly consistent week after week after week he just does it. You don't look at his game and worry about him. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to make a mistake. That doesn't mean that he's not going to have a bad game once in a while. But what it does mean, especially when you look at the metrics, is that he is churning out progression every week. And he's learned now as a player who's a bit more experienced. He's still obviously not, not particularly old, but he's is a he got a kind of veteran feel to him, isn't it? The way he plays, he kind of knows the game very well. And you're seeing that, His consistency has helped United become better both defensively in terms of moving the defence higher up the pitch, but also allowing the attack to go more narrow and allowing him to overlap and Wan-Bissaka. So that was something I think that Ole wanted to try and create this year. And that has been a success. And Luke Shaw has been really the key component of that. You're just saying that the SCA of 97%, you know, it's it's almost perfection, you know, for a fullback to actually be involved in shot creation. So it means that he's either laying the ball off in the right areas. But I think one of the other key uh, metrics there that we've got up on our screen is dribbles completed 81%. And what that means is that eight out of 10 runs of his dribbles, he's completing eight out of 10. So when you look at it, 81% can be a nice little number, but when you say eight out of 10, that shows you that when he's making those 10 runs every game, is that he's being very, very productive in terms of his dribbles, how he's getting the ball up the pitch. So philosophically, that changes lots of things for Manchester United and for also for Ole tactically what he can do because he now has an elite fullback. I don't think at the start of the season any of us would have said that we think Luke Shaw was going to be the best fullback in the Premier League. And if you then jumped on and said that he was going to be the best fullback in Europe or even then the best fullback on the planet, I think most United fans would have laughed at you. And I know I certainly got laughed at when I said he could be player of the year. 12 months on, we are sat here talking about Luke Shaw having a player of the year season. He was also his player's player of the year at the football club. And I think that shows you how his teammates view him now is that he's not just a fullback, but he's a leader of that football team and he drives the envelope. He drives the standard at left back. Um, I just want to congratulate him. I think it's been an incredible season from Luke Shaw. I think he is uh, an, inc- a, an incredibly por- important part of this squad now to go forward if United do want to be title contenders, because you need six or seven in your starting lineup who are just Dennis Irwin every week. And what I mean by that is you just need someone who goes in there every week, does his <laughs> job and has no issues. You know, it doesn't matter if there's a stray pass here and there. It doesn't matter if you you lose your marker once in a while. But if you're doing all your jobs most of the time and you're doing it consistently, you will win more games than you lose. So that's why Luke Shaw is my player of the season. I think there's been two or three players this year who have obviously been in that conversation. But for Luke Shaw, I think from day one all the way through, staying fit and healthy most of the campaign as well. You see that Manchester United, when he's not in the team, Manchester United are not as good without Luke Shaw in that starting eleven.
1: Rob, I actually want to bring up something which I saw today. So this is the most appearances Luke Shaw's made since 2013-14. And that's that was the season before United bought him at Southampton, which yeah. is absolutely staggering. That was, what, six, six, seven years ago now? And then another thing as well is this is his best season in terms of goals and assists. He's only got one goal. So if there's something I want him to improve, Rob, it is... Getting more goals, he's got five assists this season, uh, so this is the best one. Yeah, and look, we're looking at his shots here. You know, he's in the twenty eighth percentile. He's not shooting a lot, but the point is, he's creating, and that's really, really important. One thing I do want to address because I, I do want to talk about Maguire in this as well. He isn't my player of the season, but he's definitely had his best season. I think at Manchester United. I know he's been here for a couple of seasons, but. Trevor's saying here, Sean Rashford on the left is the best combination. They complement each other. What are your thoughts this season on the fact we've seen Sean Rashford? I think they're they're a really nice um, combination. I think one of the issues we saw... And there's a lot of comments here, you know, sort of around Telez, You know, being worried about Telez as a replacement. Telez is not as Teles is not as progressive in terms of carrying or passing. What we saw today, very early on in the Wolves game, that cross for Alanga, which was which was pinpoint from a deep position. That's what Telez was doing at Porto. Maybe there was a little bit of a misconception when it came to Telez. I mean, we discussed him when you first joined him. We knew he wasn't going to do Luke Shaw things, didn't we? We knew he was going to be, you know, someone who was going to be a good crosser. We both said as well that. Three at the back seems to complement him better because when he was at porto he was almost playing as a left a left you know left winger even he played yeah. so high up another thing as well is that he scored a lot of penalties so that did definitely skew his his numbers you know fans thought he'd come in and score a lot of goals but he was on penalty duty and i believe he scored maybe eight penalties around out of 13 last season so having a look at marcus and um luke together and then you have pogba obviously he's been playing on the left like what combination have you preferred seeing and what do you think the step forward for next season would be because you know they play very different ways don't they with Pogba Pogba will maybe occupy spaces further inside Rashford will run the channel more you know wh- where is all you going to go with this what and what helps Shaw more because you know changing that position this week and that week can be quite disruptive for a player
0: it can be but I also do think that Luke Shaw has learned to kind of look after himself so Luke Shaw now knows what his job is not saying he didn't know before but it's about execution so who do I think is better in terms of a combination now obviously Rashford and Shaw are kind of the natural pairing because you would say Rashford starts on the left but I think what the metrics also suggest is that playing Pogba in a 4-2-3-1 on the left hand side Manchester United are more dangerous more creative and more of a kind of a, a more complete force in that shape of having someone who is As we said earlier in the the show, a floating eight, as they like to call them now. Someone who plays to the left-hand side of the 10 and can actually join the dots in the channel. Now, Marcus can do that. We know he can. But Marcus, is we know, is a speed merchant. Marcus wants to run people. So if he wants to run people, what does that do? It means he's higher up the pitch because he's running past someone. And it means that Luke Shaw can't overlap. So what Pogba allows you to do is that Pogba will stay in the channel a little bit more and a little bit deeper and allow Luke Shaw to be more progressive. So you just said there, Luke Shaw scored one and I think it's, um, assisted five. So that's six goal involvements for the season. And that is, I think, heavily around the fact that Marcus Rashford is the more productive player in the channel because that's his job. So Luke plays a more of a, of a kind of more of a support function. Later on in the season, we have definitely seen that when Paul Pogba's come back from fitness issues, and has played in the four, two, three, one. There is a reason why Ole has been playing him. Now I know that you've said it, and I know that United fans in general have said it. They want Pogba Deeper playing a more central role. Paul Pogba, if he was sat on our little masterclass here today, will be telling you his best position is the left hand side of a three in a four two three one or a four three three. So that's where he likes to play, and that's where he feels he is best. And I do think that Ole feels that as well. And I think we'll see it more next season. Bruno benefits as well, Rob. If Pogba is still at the football club. So so you have that. So, of course, if Paul Pogba leaves the football club, that makes an easy decision for you because you play Rashford on the left and then you might bring in a certain player for Borussia Dortmund on the right-hand side. So that gives you maybe a, a more natural shape for fans to understand. That doesn't mean that you'll win more games. It doesn't mean that you will be better. It just means that you might have more kind of, more of the kind of more pertinent shape that people understand with those two players on the, on, in the wide channels. For me, no doubt this season, the revelation has been Pogba and Shaw on the left. They have been the best two combinations on the wing on that side, because they allow you to pick the pocket. And like you just said there, it allows Bruno Fernandes to go and be a second man runner to get into the box. And it allows someone like Cavani to run the last man across. And if you get across into the box, you might actually get head on it. That goal today, we saw there with um, uh, the ball from Dan James. Dan James doesn't cross that ball a year ago because no one goes in and heads it because Anthony Martial's not going for that. This year, they're practicing it. You can see it because that's something more. So Alanga makes that run from the right side of the pitch and across into that area. And you can see with that precision bullet header, that just could have been Cavani. Could have been Cavani doing that. So that's also about balance. So I think if you allow Luke Shaw to do that job next season and that he's got Paul Pogba inside him, you'll see that United are very productive in the wide channels and that the strikers in the middle, that they appreciate the balls that come into the box.
1: Absolutely, Rob. I want to address a few comments here because um, I don't agree with them, but, you know, it's great to hear everyone's opinions. Alan's saying here, and people need to stop, crediate, uh, stop, stop crediting tellers. <laughs> With, uh, I can't even get it out. Jermaine Junior
0: said today on the telly that he's never seen Teller's have a bad game. Well, and Jermaine like,
1: also said, I don't understand why Vanderbeek doesn't play in the double pivot.
0: Well, yeah, he said, he said, yeah, he's much better been deep. And I was like, yeah, I was like have you ever seen so our watched... football team play? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, honestly, that's how I think. But look, what I do want to address this is because I disagree with this. And I'll tell you why. Because one, Luke Shaw's turned around and said how him and Teller's. Egg each other on, and also from someone that's played. Well, I remember when I was seventeen. It's a little bit of an anecdote, but when I was playing for for a football team at the age of seventeen, I remember when our coach brought in four or five really good players from the local club who were our rivals. He went and poached them, and the levels in training, Rob, just went up so many levels. Yeah. It was so competitive, and we got better because it was always a risk. I was like, "Well, I'm not going to lose my position here," but someone coming in and challenging me like that definitely, definitely pushed my performance levels up. So. And that's why United was so good in the past, you know, in terms of having quality players. Where if you're not playing well, you're going to get dropped. And United haven't had that left back for me, and it has helped Luke Shaw. Yes, Luke Shaw deserves all the credit for having it, you know, it between his hit between his ears, and also Ole Gunnar Gunasekara trusting him and getting the most out of him. But Tellers coming in, another player to cause a bit of competition, has definitely helped Luke Shaw. And I don't think fans should push Tellers down as well, you know. He hasn't had a great season playing in a flat back four. And a comment here from Green Devils saying, Tellers isn't Luke Short, No, but it doesn't mean he has to go. A big club needs to have two good players per position, as we do. Tellers might want to go, not because Shaw's better, but because rotation is poor. Now, I'll let you address that comment because I think he's pretty much spot on there.
0: Yeah, Tellers actually spoke about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And he said, I have not been good enough. It's kind of what he said you know he's kind of been straight up about it. he was like I found it tough and he also said that Luke Shaw has been world class this year he's like so what can I expect so I think players do get it you know like players want to be in the team don't they Donny Van der Beek is, is obviously one of those key players we've signed as a big signing and hasn't featured much and I think Donny Van der Beek will be the first person to tell you that he probably hasn't earned the extra minute so this is kind of how it goes but you're right you do need two players in every position to be able to push forward if you want this utopia of challenge challenging with any rotation that you put forward but I think you've also got to look at it like this Manchester United whenever winning titles was under Fergie the squad depth might have seemed great but there was lots of times that you were bringing in the O'Shea O'Shays and the Fletchers and players that now you would look at you and people look at now and say well you know I liked Raphael back in the day but were you know was Raphael really a, a top top right fullback well some people will say he was and others will say absolutely not so the idea is about chemistry and finding a way that people compete within their own little zones so I do think that Luke Shaw has been pushed on by the fact that Tellers came to the football club I think that that that's part of the story but I do also think that Luke Shaw has just kind of sorted his own bag out he's kind of just gone do you know what I know what I have to do to perform and I think Ole has psychologically got it right because he's not doing what Jose did Jose when he doesn't like players digs them out and makes them feel about this big yeah, and makes them feel small. And eventually, if he doesn't want them, gets rid and throws them away. What Ole has done is utilised what he's had and he's gone, do you know what, Luke? I need more from you, but you're not cutting it, so I'm going to buy another left back. That's the right way of doing it. That's the right way of getting the message across. That's about communication, Haydar. So if you can communicate that way as a leader and as, a, as someone who runs a team, in, in any business, it's about getting into people's heads in a positive manner and saying, do you know what? Hey, if you do what I want you to do, you're going to be my number one. And I think that's what how it's been with Luke Shaw. Look at Harry Maguire. I think there was questions over him last year. And I think the same thing would have been said to Harry. It would be like, if you don't perform then you know we've got this lad and Tuinsey coming back here he's coming back from uh, health issues he will get in the team and what have we seen Axel's found it difficult to displace Harry so there's all of those kind of uh, little matchups that you put in your squad to find a way to make people be better but it's this is why, it's why I say it's a squad game because you want to give people minutes but I wouldn't have given tellers any more minutes than he's got this year because every time he has played he's looked <laughs> he's looked not great is the best word I'll put. I'd have rotated him
1: more if I'm honest with you. I would rot- rotated a few players more, for example. But if you rotated player, him more, you
0: might have lost. This is the problem. Possibly, so that's the you know, risk you have to take, Rob. No, Again, it isn't. It isn't because then this show would be when do we sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? So if we, if we do a show, if we were going, let's rotate more with the players that we have, if Ole honestly doesn't believe that they're worth the minutes, and I think sat here separated from it, not as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that Tellers hasn't earned any more minutes than he got. I don't think Van der Beek earns any more minutes than he's got. I don't think even Axel has earned any more minutes That's than he's got. I, think Axel I would like really to see him. Minutes. Yeah, but the thing is, Hadar, if you lose matches, fans will not tolerate it. So it's it's all very well and good. i uh, saying, oh, do you know what? We rotated and wasn't that good. That's what we wanted to see. But we did what Leicester did and came fifth. That would then be that the manager is sacked. So you have to find a balance. So you bring these players in to rotate, but my God, they've got to prove it. They've got to prove it. And I look at Axel. I love him. I think he's a great defender. He looked really good today against Wolves. But he has not proved it. It's a simple fact. When he's had those <laughs> short minutes, he did really well at the start of the season. He's not done any better than Maguire but on the left-hand side of the of the defence. So I, I agree with your point. You've got to earn minutes. But for example, we saw
1: Axel have a fantastic game against Pierre Sheewe, pocketed Mbappe. No player this season has done that. One guy. Yep. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Then he's out of the team. Then he's brought on for a fraction of minutes here and there. gets racially abused because he's been chucked on to just... I'm not saying that's the reason why, but, you know, he's so he's had a difficult time and then he's just been, he's been out of the team. Having a player come on for four or five minutes here and there is not going to help you get up to speed, is what I'm saying. You know, it's not going to help you to get around the games. You've seen with Axel that he's had maybe, what, two, three games now. He's now looking like the player that... Myself and you both rave about him. Why? Because, I mean, he's been highly rated. I know if you're highly rated in the academy, it doesn't mean you're going to make it, but... Axel Tunzevi's been touted as a future Manchester United captain since he's been in the academy. He, he For me, he really does have it, Rob. And he could save United 50, 60 million that might go on of Arana or Paul Torres. I, I agree with your point. Oli has to win games. But there has been games. I think it was, was it the Getafe or Espanyol who we played in the in the Europa League where we were 4-0 up and Oli played a really strong side, which didn't have to get played. There's elements. Uh, so There's games that have happened in the season where that's happened. Um, look, I understand your point completely and I agree with that, but there were times where he could have rotated a little bit better.
0: I disagree. I just think that, I think when uh, he had that great game in Paris and he was fantastic, it was world-class against Neymar. They all performed really real. Scott McTominay looked like a world-class midfielder that day. So, you know, it doesn't mean that then the next day everything is kind of solved and you have to keep running with it. Uh, we've got to also look at it too and say he was injured after that, after a while. And that was why he was out of the team and out of the picture for a little bit. And he found it difficult to then get back in the picture. So, I don't like playing devil's advocate. Everyone knows this about me. I don't play devil's advocate that, or maybe we could have done this or could have done that. This was done for a reason. Would I like to see more rotation? Absolutely. But players have to earn it. I am not ever want to see players rotated in just because you've got a big fat squad. The idea is, is that the squad works for you, not the other way around. It's not like, I'll give you a few more minutes, mate, just because you know, you're know you in my squad and that should be it. Tellers didn't earn it. Van der Beek didn't earn it. Axel didn't earn it. And all the other players around the fringe, Jesse Lingard, had to go to West Ham to earn it. He wasn't going to get it just because he's Jesse Lingard. So that's the way I look at it. And I always think when you're on a gun and Solskjaer, it's your neck on the block. It's all very well for fans to say, "I would have liked you to have done this, 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 and this," but ultimately we came second. The rotation didn't really hurt us, and that's not really been the story of the season.
1: Comment here, Rob. You can't judge a player on cameo appearances. No, it's true. You can't it's true. It's, look, it's a difficult. It's a difficult. Uh, job, you know, being a manager and you've got to manage so many different competitions. You've got to rotate, you've got to make sure. And that's what Sir Alex was so good at, Rob. Let's be honest. Yeah. the And he guy. has
0: rotated in the cup though. Like this is the thing, the cup competitions are there to rotate. And he did, in theory, rotate play. So I think Axel did play all the Champions League games. I think he was featured in all six in the early stages. So either he either came on as a sub or he, or he started. So he was in game. So, so he's played matches this year. And again, when you look at the appearance stats, all of those plays around the fringe have actually played significant games. They've not played four or five. They've played kind of 20 to 30 this season. Now, people might not remember that because they're shorter minutes. I think Van der I, I don't know his numbers. I think he's definitely in the high 20s. Uh, but yet yeah, it feels like Van der Beek's hardly kicked the ball, doesn't it's, it? It's, it's total minutes, which is obviously low. Yeah, yeah and really cameos good. are hard. Like, cameos are hard. But do you know what? Your job when you are doing a cameo is to come on and be stellar. Yeah, if you get five minutes, you've got to be the best you in five minutes. You can't trot around the pitch and go, oh, I've not played enough football, so I'm not that good. You've got to be better. And that's how you get in a team. Then you, you force you in. Look at Alanga today, yeah? He's had one game, he scored a goal. That's in his manager's head now. His manager now thinks, I can start that boy maybe next year. Whereas you might look at someone else you might say, well, do you know what? He started a game, but he didn't give that kind of input back. The manager's then thinking... I don't know. So it is a hard, it's a tough, it's a tough call. But we mustn't just do it on devil's advocate because that's way too easy with football. We all would pick different 11s every week, um, and you'd love a big rotation like Pep Guardiola has got. But that squad took two or three or four years to build from the bottom up, from a team that was already winning titles. So you know, you kind of just you're just you're just cherry picking, really. And I think United are coming from a different place with a, a much worse squad five or six years ago that's almost completely gone now.
1: Rob, I just want to pick out a few um, statistics from Jao Cancelo because he's had a fantastic yeah. season. He's really, again, he struggled in his first season. We saw, and um, he was behind Absolutely. Kyle Walker. I think he's yeah. he's the perfect attacking right right fullback. He's uh, he's brilliant. But you know, just having a look at a few, so let's compare. You know, we look at Luke Shaw's progressive passes. Uh, you know, you're looking at Cancelo, 95th percentile um, for sorry, yeah, for progressive passes progressive carries 97th percentile and you're looking at dribbles completed 98th percentile yes you've got to take into account that Cancelo does sit in midfield a lot of the time as well Rob obviously with the way that Pep plays with his right fullback but that is staggeringly good and you are looking at Luke Shaw he's not too far behind in that respect dribbles he is but for the progressive passes and progressive carries he's uh he's right up there with him and that's the context I think where statistics, statistics are fantastic because when you're having a look at that you're you're looking at Cancelo thinking what a fantastic player But actually, Luke Shaw's putting up similar numbers and sometimes you don't look at your own players in that way, do you? Sometimes you look at opposition and it's almost grass is greener, but Luke Shaw's doing similar things for Manchester United. In a team which doesn't pass the ball as well, which is not filled with as much quality and doesn't have, I'm going to say, as good a manager as Pep Guardiola. Because Pep Guardiola for me is the best coach and tactician in the world.
0: Yeah, and I also think it's really important to highlight that Concello has... Basically, spent the whole season in midfield. Right, he he doesn't do what Luke Shaw does. He doesn't have the same defensive function. He is allowed to go. He actually ghosts into areas. So he he almost plays as a floating eight almost every week. He plays in the channel and goes forward and plays behind the the um, uh, the attack. So you will see him with his carries and his. his dribble completions being much higher than your normal fullback, So it's a difficult comparison. And like you just said there, the grass is always greener. And if you're winning titles, you will find that in those key positions that those players are cutting it. If you look at, say, Liverpool, Trent Alexander-Arnold last two seasons, who's been elite and world-class and getting assists like they grow on trees and he's just picking them out like fruit – Fantastic. What you see this year is that people criticizing him. He's even fallen out of the England squad. However, if you look at the other stats of him, like things like tackles and the metrics around defending, he's probably had his best. ever ever season he carries it he actually covers more he does all those jobs much better it's just that the eye candy is not there it's not the eye catching stuff that you see on your fantasy football report where you're seeing that he gets eight or nine points because he crossed the ball in from deep and gets another assist those things are not quite there for him this season whereas for Luke Shaw it's the other way around isn't it Luke Shaw it's now not just about his defending it's about doing all of the job Cancelo is a great player but he is more of a midfielder than he is a wide player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really important, Rob, to to point these things out when you are comparing teams with different statistics. You know, if for example you're comparing, let's say Wolves, they they have less of the ball, so you can't really compare them. You know, maybe to Manchester United's two in midfield. So it's, that's really important. I'm going to bring up Maguire because I think we need to talk about Maguire. I'll bring up his statistics, but let's talk about him first, his, his season as a whole, and let's talk about what happened before the season um, because. Obviously, he had a very terrible time with, with with what happened in Greece. It didn't seem like his head was in it at all. No preseason. Pretty, pretty terrible start to season. And it could have really gone to pot, couldn't it? It could really have just capitulated for him. The way he's turned it around. And also, I mean, myself included, I'm in this camp. You know, I've looked at Maguire and I think, is he elite? I still struggle to see, you know, is he one of the best center backs in Europe? I, I still don't think so with the eye test i don't think so i think he's a good defender i think he's a very good premier league defender i don't think he's in the top five in europe i don't think he's an elite defender however the impact of him not playing that we've seen over the last couple of weeks is huge this defense looks so shaky and it's things that people don't see it's the intangibles you know the communication the organization the things that you don't see when you're watching it on tv um all these sort of things i think united fans are starting to appreciate harry Maguire. is he worth 80 million no But actually this season on current form, he's been for me up there with the top three, I would say, centre backs on current form.
0: Yeah, well, market value is a funny thing. So I think, again, you know, is he worth 80 million is a kind of pointless question because it's like it's just how much someone is willing to pay for a player at that moment of time because they have a need. United needed a centre back. So, you know, Leicester drove the price up. I think with Harry Maguire, you're right. At the start of the season, obviously a bad start for him in the summer. Obviously, all the controversy of what happened abroad and the court case and everything that went with it. And I really did think that that could be the end of him at United. And what I meant by that is that I thought he would lose game time because of it and that he would find it very, very difficult to carry the weight of being a Manchester United captain when the whole world hates you because you're the Manchester United captain. That's the truth. So I think he rode that storm out really well. And that was something I was really impressed with, that he actually kind of got his head down and worked hard. He did make some mistakes at the start of the season without that pre-season under his belt. But what we've seen week after week after week is that he has become the intangible between the defence and the midfield. And what I mean by that is, is that when you look at his stats and I'm going to pull one out here, that's really, really important is progressive carries 94th percentile. So that's one of the best, absolutely in the premier league and in the world. That's 5.65 a game. So let's say let's round it up to six. Yeah. So he brings the ball out six times from the back every match. That has been one of the key philosophies that Ole has built his team on this year of playing more football in adverted commas and, It comes from the back. Now, is he Rio Ferdinand? No. Is he quick? No. Would you say that he's one of the best players in his position in Europe? Probably not. But all the metrics tell you that he's absolutely in the top two or three centre-backs in the Premier League this season and that he's cut the mustard. He's proved it. You know, he's proved it with the stuff that he's done. It's okay to say the eye test of the last two weeks because he's been injured and United haven't looked very good at centre-back that people then go, oh, isn't that... He's really important to us, isn't he? We play, if, if fans don't get it week to week, then they're never going to get it. They're not going to wait till someone disappears and then goes, oh, he's injured now, so I, I kind of get it. We get the same with Fred, don't we? When Fred's in the team, people hate him. When Fred's out the team, they read his stats and go, oh, wasn't he really good? So there's always that balancing point. And I think when you look at Harry Maguire, to lead the football club and also do all the things that you have to do as a centre-back, it's a tough job. He's done it this season. I think he deserves a pat on the back. He is the leader on that football pitch. He's the coach out there. I think he could be more vocal at times. I do believe that he is not a shy and retiring type. But we do know that he kind of he more gets into people's ears as opposed to being yeah. Yeah, But he's not Roy Keane. But who is? So like no one's Roy Keane anymore. No one does. No one is like Roy Keane. You know, no one's a John Terry. No one's he's kind of Steven Gerrard leadership roles they're all a little bit more demure and you find that someone like harry Maguire is like that and if you talk to anyone who's worked with him like i said this before on our show they all say that he's very strong very rooted and he's very very well respected and i think this year when you look at his stats his stats back up that he is an elite level center back does not mean you can get someone better of course always but it means that what you know where are your problems The problems this year are not left centre-back, even though Manchester United might be going into the transfer market to buy one.
1: Two things I want to add to that, Rob. The first thing I want to add is when we did this show last week, obviously we spoke about Maguire, we spoke about Lindelof, Mm -hmm. we showed Paul Torres' statistics, and something we did uh, pick out, which you've mentioned just then, is progressive passes and progressive carries. Something that's really important in the modern game, and and when I put out the short clip, there were people that were like, progressive ball playing centre-back, you know, as in what the hell? Mm And I think this is something that people need to sort of put into their mind now that the way that centre-backs were playing back even a decade ago is not how they're playing now. They're expected to be able to play. Why? Because Oligon and Solskjaer specifically wants United to play out the back. A lot of teams do that now. (laughs) That is really important now when United are doing their scouting. A lot of people say they need to defend first. Yes, they need to defend first. Of course, they're a defender. But if they can't do the other side of the game, aka starting United's attacks, if we're playing against a team that are pressing us very, very aggressively with their first wave, being able to play through that press or over the press, if we can't do that, Rob, as a team, we're not going to go and win titles in Champions Leagues. What Another thing I do want to add to that as well is that Lindelof and Maguire get a lot of stick. They're not going to win you the title. We've said that already. McFred aren't going to win you the title. We said that last week in particular with Lindelof and Maguire, how many times have they actually been done for pace? When Because we play a very high line. I mean, Oli played a high line against Chelsea, played a high line against uh, Tottenham when we beat them away at their stadium, aggressively high. And this is a thing that I think fans need to realise that we don't need someone who's rapid because they're not getting done for pace. What they're getting done for is Lindelof's either getting out-muscled in the box or they're just lapses of errors in the box as opposed to what's behind them. So... When you think about these things, you know, that changes exactly the the sort of centre back United are going for. And the second point I want to make on that is that I want to give Oli on the Solskjaer credit for the way that he man he has managed the whole Harry Maguire situation from last uh last summer, because I didn't realise that you actually thought Maguire's career could possibly be over at Manchester United, obviously with the whole thing that was going on. The way that Oli's managed that, the way Oli's managed Greenwood as well, obviously with the sad um, you know, passing of his friend, uh, the Manchester City youth player all these little things that Oli's had to manage while trying to get this team as well prepared week in week out i think it's it's really impressive while i have the opinion that Oli lacks on the tactical side of it and i don't think he's an an elite coach i don't think there's many better man managers than Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in the Premier League and also in Europe what i
0: will add to that is that man management is part of coaching so if you're elite at man management you're you're an elite coach. The two things go hand in hand. How do you transmit ideas and make players run through brick walls for you? That's part of the game. You know, this is it. so. When we talk about coaching, it's very easy to think that coaching is just being Pep Guardiola. You know, everyone thinks that you're on Pep Guardiola, you move your hands around, you move people around, you tell this, you get all gestating, you do You do what Klopp does, dance up and down the line, and that makes you a good coach. I always use inverted commas for those things. But I think when you look at Ole and you look at the, the Harry Maguire situation, what I meant by that was that I felt that Maguire, if his confidence was severely damaged by what happened in the summer, which it was damaged, that you would have to take him out of the team for his mental health. You'd have to look at that and say you can't play games at the moment. You're not ready, so I'm going to pull you out of the team. Now that was the bit that impressed me: is that he managed to get through that that storm and still managed to play when his head was probably a bowl of soup. Yeah, it was no way that he could have felt that that he was in the, in a great place to play football, but he did it for his football club. And I think what Ole's done really, really well, and he's shown this. Really, throughout the kind of two to a half years that he's been at the club is that when he's identified issues, whether it be tactical, technical or within the player themselves in terms of their mental health or how they they're outward looking are in the team, he has generally solved those issues. Now, that's coaching. That's what that means. His job is to run the business of Manchester United's squad. That's his job. And he's got to find a way to get the best out of all the components. So like I said they're about rotation, if, the, if your rotating pieces are not going to help you, you don't rotate. That's crazy. You put them to one side for a bit and you give them carrots and you say improving training, do more for me, show me your metrics, show me you're running harder, show me you're doing all these things, your past completion, etc. That is coaching that's where you are so I look at Ole and that yeah people might go 4 two, three, ones a bit boring a bit dull and I don't see anything expansive out of that but I think you saw today the difference United play four-two-three-one against Wolves and it was an incredibly high system where it was like the double pivot was almost playing in the attack they were so high up it was it was a strange system that's come out of the manager's mind that isn't that's not just something that happens on a football pitch. That's a coach looking at the game expansively. So I think, that, I think that that's where Maguire works well with him. I think Maguire is the coach on the pitch. You need players like that who can actually translate, transmit ideas. We that also need
1: four or five, really. At the of mind, course you do. Couple, but you look at that Bruno
0: Fernandes. So Bruno Fernandes is a leader. Yeah, we all know this. Bruno Fernandes is a leader. He's been a captain at Sporting. He is a kind of lead on the pitch. But Bruno Fernandes is wholly selfish as a footballer. We see it. He's there to go and get his numbers. So, that's a good thing because he's helped United obviously go to another level, but not always a great thing in terms of your leadership. Sometimes your leadership leadership has to be someone who's selfless. He does the running. He does all of those things. It's part of the job. United do need more leaders, but you've got to look at the existing ones. I think this year in terms of leadership, I think Maguire stepped up. I think Bruno's done what Bruno does. And I think Paul Pogba stepped up. I think Paul Pogba's gone from a player that United fans malign because of his agent, because of the, obviously, the ongoing saga, which is his social media and what haircut he's got this week or whoever's digging him out on Sky Sports. You've seen that. I think he's provided leadership to the team. Luke Shaw has become more of a leader this year. I even think to an extent Victor Lindelof is a little bit of a talker, even though I would criticize his game. He is a, talker, of that. he He's is a, a talker. talker.
1: That's why he plays instead of Baye. That's, that's Marcus. That
0: Marcus is a talker. Marcus talks to people. So, so there is more leadership oh, I mean, now in the team than there's been for the last two or three or four seasons. Where I think four seasons ago it was chronically bad, where we had no leaders and it was really kind of on on the bottom edge. And now we're seeing that Man United are kind of getting to second in the league to the final of a European trophy and that the leaders are helping those teams push on. And it starts with the captain and the captain has to look after his own performances, but also manage everything else around him. And I think that that has done that this season. I think him and Ole have done that kind of coaching from the sidelines and on the pitch in tandem really well.
1: Segues is nicely, Rob into my play of the season. So you chosen sure, i probably chosen sure as well, but you can't look past Bruno Fernandes, obviously, and we've got some of his, his statistics here.
0: You can choose Shaw as well. Let's say Bruno's like number two,
1: everyone. Br- Bruno's number two. But look, I just want to read out his uh, statistics in the Premier League, you know, in terms of 18 goals, 12 assists in 37 games. Mm-hmm. That's 30 goal contributions. It's absolutely staggering. And I would argue as well, and you probably agree with this, that Bruno Fernandes has not looked good for about three months, I would say, of the, the past three months in terms of his performance levels. And you're looking here, a few of the key statistics, you know, um, progressive passes, 98th percentile, very impressive. You're looking as well. He's not a very good dribbler. We know that. You can see that when he plays. Um, in terms of his shots, 95%, he's, he's going for goal. The A stands for assist, 93%, 93rd percentile in terms of assists. He's creative, Rob. I don't think he's as good of a footballer as someone like Kevin De Bruyne. In terms of talent, I don't think he's a, a good as good a passer, but he affects games and he he he's a game changer, Rob. He's a difference maker. And if you get him in that box, we've seen him plenty of times. I want to see more in the box next season. That's what I want to see from him. And you said earlier on and that's absolutely spot on when you had Pogba playing on that left-hand side, Bruno's been allowed to go forward more. But he's for me, has been an incredible signing for Manchester United. The best 47 million. It's probably gone more now with with the added sort of um, clauses, etc. But he's been the game-changing signing for Manchester United. And he, for me, you know, if United hadn't signed him, then Oli would have been a job. And that's not to put Oli down. It's just facts, you know. Bruno turns United season around. Oli identified Bruno. So obviously he's come in. But, you know, for me, Bruno Fernandez has things to work on in terms of his retention needs to be better. You look at his pass completion, 35%. We know why, because he's looking to make those more um, progressive passes. But he really is a massive, massive part of this United side. They need to tie him down to another contract, you know, if they want to go and win titles in Champions Leagues.
0: Well, I think we'll see that contract signing happening very, very, very soon. Uh, So United fans, look out for that one on your social media. I would say this, um, when Bruno was at Sporting, I spent a year kind of campaigning for United to sign him. Why did I do that? I was just convinced that United needed someone to play the 10 role and to be able to just pull the midfield forward a little bit more. United, a very deep team, almost bordering on a low block under Mourinho. It was boring. It was dull. It wasn't progressive. United were losing games. United were looking like a team that were going to get buried in mid-table, like, say, Arsenal have this season. You know, you can still be good, but not actually get the points that you need. And I think kind of like Arsenal are in that position at the moment in terms of the players that they've got and also their style of coaching. Um, When you look at Bruno, when he came to the football club, yes, he did change things. But the reason why he changed things is that, as I said, he does have this selfish element to him. And I know that we had the metrics up on the screen there a minute ago. I think what's really, really important for him is that it doesn't matter whether he looks good or not. What matters is that he gets his numbers Yeah, that's what it's about. So you can have two or three months where you're maybe not, you know, cutting the mustard. You're not as good as you want to be. But what's important is that you are still winning games for your team. You know, it doesn't mean that even when Liverpool were winning titles the last two or three years that Salah and Mane were great every week. What was important was that they were still scoring goals. That's what's important. So it's the same for Bruno. And I think what you obviously said there as well at the start of the segment is really important, is that if you want Bruno playing in the box more, so you want him as a second-man runner, you want him supporting the number nine, you want him in the gaps – You say whether that be Cavani in front of him or Greenwood or Harry Kane or someone like that, then you're going to have to sacrifice on the left-hand side maybe a little bit what Marcus Rashford does. And that means that you'd have to switch Marcus to the right, potentially, or play a different style of role for him in the team to allow Bruno to go. Now, I think that's the way it will happen. I think United, depending on who they sign in the summer, that 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 will be something that Ole will be looking at to get more out of Bruno and to get Bruno higher up the pitch. The other thing I'll just say to conclude that is that Bruno likes to be a little bit more free. I don't think Bruno wants to be a, a kind of, you know, Frank Lampard number 10. I don't think he wants to be the second man runner because it's kind of, it's not his game in terms of physicality. Like you just said, there dribbling with the ball as well. is not kind of his thing. Every time he dribbles with the ball, he tends to lose it. Um, it's more about having freedom to go and play in areas that he wants to play in. That's all very well and good. But it's more about United. How do you make United become a more winning force with Bruno Fernandes still at the heartbeat? If it was tomorrow, you know, we're looking at a Europa final coming up, that would be playing Paul Pogba as close as possible to him on the football pitch, allowing to free him, but also to keep the ball in more dangerous areas.
1: Rob, this comment here from Chris is exactly so. When I was doing, when I was bringing, putting the numbers together, the player that they said that Bruno Fernandes was most similar to in terms of looking at the, the statistics is Thomas Muller. And I think this is very fair. You know, people look at Thomas Muller and think, what does he actually do? But he is, he's an incredible player. And I know Man United won him under Louis Van Gaal. One thing to add to that as well, Rob, is that a lot of people say, oh, United didn't go to 4 3 if they get a defensive midfielder that comes in. I actually think that hinders hinders Bruno Fernandez. If you're dropping him further back into a three-man midfield, let's say next to Pogba, let's say someone like Ndidi or Rice. It's just just you know sort of hypothetical. I think that takes away so much of what Bruno Fernandez does well. And it also takes away goals from Manchester United. You want him in the box. Now we saw today that Ahmad played as a false nine. Let's say United don't buy a strike, which they probably won't. We'll discuss a few later. But in terms of Cavani, he can't play week in, week out. We still haven't talked about Martial. He'll be here probably for another season unless he does leave. And look, he's he can't play any worse than he has this season. Mason Greenwood as well. Is there a possibility then that Bruno does play that false nine position because Cavani can't play week in, week out? Is there a possibility someone like Pogba plays behind him or van der Beek? You know, Is there a possibility as well that United don't change to 4-3-3? Because I don't think that's what personally what Oli wants to do. And I don't think that's what United should do. Find players that can play the 4 two, 3 one Playing that deeper role in the pivot, who have a bit more ball progression to them, but still have the energy, and I think that's that's where United look a little bit more. I would say there's a little bit more balance to the side.
0: Yeah, look, today against Wolves was the perfect chance with the with the personnel to play four three three, and what did United do? They played four two three one, and they played it just higher up the pitch. So that is United want to be progressive with progressive talents in certain positions. That is what they'll do. They'll play a Donny Vanderbake in the double pivot, but they'll play him much higher up. They won't play him just standing off Harry Maguire because that is where you get the problems when you've had Vanderbake in those positions. Uh, and I think that that kind of is 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 the question with with Bruno is about how do you use him I certainly would like to see him in what I would call the Firmino role is that he can kind of be a false nine he can kind of drop deeper into pockets and he can do all those things and he would score goals there's no doubt about it I think as a false nine for me you know he's a great finisher Uh, he sniffs out opportunities he doesn't need a lot of He doesn't need chances to kind of score. You know, he needs just maybe one or two and he's kind of, he'll hit the target for you. He's not very wasteful, but I don't think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to sacrifice the stuff he's built over two years, tactically and technically with his whole squad to play a system. The system reflects what United are and what United can be. They will still attack, but they will do it within shape and with formation and they will do it with protection. So, as I said, People don't like McFred in the double pivot. You could upgrade someone there. You could put an Indidi in there. You could do that. You could spend 50, 60 million on a, on a proper defensive midfielder. But I don't actually know, personally, as someone that studies football and tactics and does it as my job, whether I feel that a Rice or an Indidi go and win you a title in the double pivot. I, don't, I just don't see it. They might be really good in the double pivot, but I don't know if you would suddenly then maybe concede 10 less goals Or score 10 more goals, because that's what you need to do to win a title. You need to kind of look at those metrics and look at how do you improve defensively and offensively. I'm not sure that buying big in those areas is how you do that. Yeah, you would like maybe another forward that gets you 20 goals and 20 assists a season. Then you're talking. You're there. You may be there. But did you know what you can do that with McFred? you can do that still that, And they will still do that function of breaking up play, but it just means that you're more effective at the top end of the pitch. You could look at it the other way. You could bring yourself in a center back and say, this center back now is going to give me more progressive carries out of the back. It means that we start our game 15, 20 yards higher up the pitch. If you do that, you're laughing. You're, you're tighter. You're higher up the pitch. You're, you're less likely to get caught in behind. So they're the things that I look at. And I kind of think with Bruno, he fits in the middle of that somewhere. Uh, I don't think we'll be seeing a big positional change for him come next season.
1: It's a great comment here from Cohen. I actually agree with this. Um, I've never thought a double pivot has been a problem, Rob. And I also don't think we play with two DMs because we don't play with two DMs. Correct. It's just a fact that McFred are at, are limited. But the comment here says, I personally love a double pivot because it's all about the ball and with the ball and without the ball and those Correct. fullbacks pushing up high up. And you've seen yeah. that with wan you know, I think we, Rob, I just want to quickly give him a little bit of shout out before we talk about Pogba because when I was doing the research and I was looking at who scored and their metrics of player of the season, it was Bruno Fernandes, number one, wambasaka number two maguire number three which was interesting because i think most people would have said luke shaw here is pretty far down um look Aaron wambasaka has been a player especially early on it felt like we were speaking about him every single week in terms of his uh his he was not good enough going forward his he still has problems with his concentration at the back especially uh, you know in, in sort of inside of him that space but In terms of what we've seen from him, especially in the second half of the season going forward, he has definitely improved, Rob. He's obviously thinking more with this. And for me, you know, I think he's had a strong finish. A lot of people say, you go and bring someone like Sancho in, will that improve his game? Uh, That remains to be seen for me because I think that's that's a very sort of... It's very theoretical. There's no guarantee you bring in a better player in front of him that he's going to be a better right-back. He has to do his basics better to be a better player, in my opinion. I think it's very... It's a very sort of football Twitter term to say that, you know, it works in some respects, but that's bringing Sancho in there is not going to make him a better defender at his near post. Bringing Sancho in there might improve him going forward, um, but it's not going to make him a better crosser of the ball, you know, for example.
0: Yeah. And I think with Aaron as well, like we did like some of the early masterclasses, I think we did whole shows on him, kind of like his, his problem inside the channel, inside him. I mean, defensively, Lindelof. The issue of the pace in behind that was being caught, them getting caught under the ball when the ball was coming from the right to the left, and we actually saw it in a in a recent match uh, where again. Aaron got caught way under the ball at the back post and you can see the goal against Fulham. So you saw that and that, and and that is still something there that needs work. So, you know, we talked at the top of the show about what could United do to change things, to make things better, where you could sort that out. That's one of the first things. But I think what we've seen with Aaron is that certainly through the season, he's become more confident on the front foot. And I think, as I said before, he looks over at Luke Shaw and he's got the perfect example of a player that has, Become gone from being a, a, a progressive player to a defensive player to now having a much more all-round game. With Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you got to remember when he was a kid at Palace, he was an attacker. He then went back in at right-back, made that role his own. Obviously, his nickname is Spider because he's got so many legs when he makes the tackle. And now he's finding a way to get forward and be more progressive. And as I said last year with Luke Shaw, I'll say it this year with Aaron Wan-Bissaka. If United want to get better next year and win a title... Aaron Wan-Bissaka, his metrics need to improve massively. But like you just said there, he's already second in the team. So it's trying to find a way to make him... Uh, more effective on the front foot. I think he's done really well this year. I think after a kind of shaky start, he's found a way to be effective but not kind of give up some of his defensive game. I'm not interested in fullbacks that are just tacklers. Tackling does not win you football matches. It makes fans feel good because they see a big tackle and their heart explodes out of their chest and they feel great about it because it's a moment of adrenaline. But generally, tackles do not win you football matches, whether that be in the centre of the park with the pivot or with your fullbacks or with your centre-backs that's not the game it's about interceptions it's about reading the game so I think that his reading of the game has improved I think that there is an issue for him inside with Lindelof and that is I think is a long-term problem that Ole might need to solve with the signing at centre-back what do you do do you bring in a Pal Torres to play on the left who we will talk about uh, in a minute and move Maguire to the right? Could Maguire look after that space a little bit more with Wan-Bissaka? I think he could. I think he would read that channel a lot more and also communicate a little bit better with Wan-Bissaka. But a good season for Aaron. I'm pleased for him because... It was. it's tight, he's a young lad and coming to the biggest club in the world it's tough to be good every week and he had a great first season and then kind of fell off a bit and I think he's kind of got his way back there and I think United's defence overall hasn't been bad, you know we, we're talking about upgrades and stuff like this, but United's back four and even the goalkeeper, talking about both goalkeepers with De Gea and Henderson both have been more than competent they've both performed well when they've needed to mm-hmm.
1: Something I do want to say quickly: on Saka, two goals for assists this season, which is which is fantastic for him. It's good considering someone that doesn't, you know, doesn't score enough. So,
0: so if you bro- if you got three goals and eight assists next year, United win the title. It's kind yeah. of a, it, it. You can you can look at it that way. You see, if you just if you just edge it up a little bit more, and everyone takes that little ten percent more, that little fifteen percent more forward, you you suddenly become a team that, who are second and lodged in second to a team that are competing for the title on the final day.
1: Absolutely. Rob, we're going to touch on Pogba quickly. I just want to pick out a few statistics before we do talk about some players at May or the where they need to improve. Looking at it here across the screen, you're looking at progressive passes, 91st percentile, progressive carries, 86th percentile, and dribbles completed, 96th, 96th percentile. To, to put that into a little bit of context, Bruno's dribbles was in the eighth percentile. And also, you're looking at Bruno's progressive carries, 67th percentile. Pushing Paul Pogba further up has been has worked wonders hasn't it for manchester united it's also helped bruno fernandez a lot but looking at those statistics it's actually staggering how good it is but also it's showing how good of a, a ball playing player which we knew about paul popper but how good he is and how much of a unique talent he is look at the size of him rob you know he's a he's a really tall player and it's very very rare to have players of that height with such a good center of gravity such good ball control paul could do it can do it all really can't he one of his problems he loses the ball and that's why people don't like him playing deep i completely understand that but ollie playing him further forward has got paul happy it's got the team playing better you know we were more creative especially in that sort of the games that he's been playing of late in the last month or so i'd say i mean the question is is he going to sign a new contract that's the first question like what are you hearing from from the club in that respect he looks happy um, you know, and he, you haven't heard Raiola for a while, so that obviously shows that he's <laughs> he's he's enjoying his football. And you know, looking at it now, looking at Barcelona, looking at Real Madrid, and I said this um yesterday. Obviously, we saw Atletico win the uh, the La Liga. They're not attractive, I don't think, at this current moment. There's a lot of rebuild. A lot of money needs to go into both sides to to get them back where they were in their past glory. So, is it Paul's actually in his best interest to stay at somewhere like Manchester United? I know. I know it's a very, that's a very sort of like theoretical question, but the way I see it, taking myself away from the fact that I'm a United fan, but United look like a side that are improving. Real are Real Madrid. That's the pinnacle uh, for a lot of players, but they got to go and spend three, 400 million, I think, in that squad. It's aging and it needs improvement.
0: Yeah, look, look, we know that Paul Pogba is not against signing a new contract, Manchester United. We know this. Yeah, that's, we know that quite implicitly. So it all depends about, also, whether Manchester United want to keep Paul Pogba now, United fans, some United fans might find that bizarre to even put on the table. But there is a truth there. It's about how do you see your team going forward? Do you see Marcus Rashford as the guy, for your long-term left-sided forward? And you want Bruno as the 10 and Sancho as your, as your wide right player? And do you feel that Paul Pogba then maybe gets in the way of your double pivot? Because you want your double pivot to be simple. You want it to be energetic. You want it to do stuff that maybe people don't find attractive, but maybe gets away with a point that Paul Pogba doesn't have to dribble out from the back or lose the ball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think Paul Pogba is better on the left-hand side, but then United have to decide whether that's something that they're going to pursue next season. I don't know if that's the case. Um, I think United are looking at Sancho. We know they're also looking at Harry Kane. These are facts. Um, and it's trying to find a way around how do you fund these transfers. Um, with Paul Pogba, you're just saying about Real Madrid. Real Madrid are always attractive. Doesn't matter whether Real Madrid are fifth in the table or first, or you know having a bad week or whatever. Real Madrid are one of the proper big names in the world, just like Manchester United. I always say, it's about United as well." United could be tenth, and United would still have the pulling power of a champion. It's just how it is. It's these clubs are are huge. Barcelona are obviously now at a time where Lionel Messi might be about to leave the football club. You know, Do they go in a completely different direction? What do they do? Paris Saint-Germain want to win the Champions League. They've got a new manager. What do they want to do? There are lots of clubs that Paul Pogba could go to to win. And I believe he wants to win. This is kind of what it comes down to. Um, I think he feels really good under Ole. And I think that if they can agree a contract and agree to his wages, there's ways of funding that by cutting the squad and trimming to the squad that don't do anything you could trim a Phil Jones out that's 100 grand gone straight away you could trim a goalkeeper out with someone like De Gea that's 300 grand there's your Paul Pogba money you know that's it it's done so there is ways of doing it it's just whether you think long term that player is going to help you to win Uh, I always think it's like this Haydar if you lose Paul Pogba that's when you'll know how good Paul Pogba was for Man United when you look at those stats Stats can mean things to people, and sometimes they mean absolutely nothing. But when you look at dribbles completed ninety-six percent, and he's been playing on the left of the attack most of the season, that is as world class as it gets for a wider left sided player. Progressive carries in that position 86%, you know, shots 83% from there, SCA ninety-three percent, pass completion fifty-one, but it's because he paints more progressive passes. So and
1: assists is ninety. 90% of this. Well, there we
0: go. So, like so, so he's got the metrics for a left-sided forward. Yeah, I bet there'll be guys in our comments and people watching the show who will be completely against that and will be saying, I don't want Paul Pogba on that side. That's up to Ole now to decide. If Ole wants to build the team in the way that we've seen maybe in the last three or four months, so be it. But it will really affect about who comes into the football club. Because I think that's what it comes down to. That if you sell Paul Pogba, then you might end up buying a Jadon Sancho and kind of then going full full tilt and buying a forward as well and just having those extra ball plays at the top end of the pitch and then you might stick and say do you know what we're not buying a centre-back we're not going to strengthen the double pivot even though it's boring because they are giving me the numbers back that I want from those positions and we'll improve them maybe in six months or in 12 months time.
1: Absolutely Rob let's talk about what United need in terms of transfers or players to come in to go to next level so that's Get far in the Champions League. That has to happen next season, by the way. There's no excuses. You have to get out of the group. You have to get at least the quarterfinals, in my opinion. Um, you have to challenge, and you have to try and win the title. You need to bring in players. And this is the thing. Everyone likes a big-name player, but you need to bring in players that are actually going to you know, suit a function in the system. They don't have to be the 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 million pound player. Like we talk about Basuma a lot on this show. Basuma is a player for me who I think, Right, he can fit the system and he can do a job better than what we have in that system. He's young. He knows the league. You know, there's so, many, so much upside to him. Let's start with the right wing because that's a player that everybody wants, including myself. I go on and on and on about it and get statistics up here. and Sancho, another fantastic season after a slow start. It does seem like Manchester United will sign him. And look, in hindsight, Rob, if United get him for 85 to 90 million, that's 30 million off the price. United did the right thing. In my opinion, uh, I don't often say, you know, the club done the right thing when it comes to transfers, but they have in that respect. Just looking at Jadon Sancho, let's not look at the statistics yet. Let's look at what he can offer, offer this side. What can he offer and where can he take Man United next season?
0: I've said this season quite a bit that if we'd had Jadon Sancho in the team this year, would United have come higher than second issue in the Premier League? and i think we'll all agree that the answer to that is no i think second was probably the ceiling of the football club this term so you've got to look at what can he do for you next year and how do you build around those things I and mean, who leaves who comes and you know how, how do you make it work um we know what united's obvious weaknesses are and we know that everyone's wanted a right winger forever and we know that jaden sancho has been linked to the club for a long time um I think if United really want Jaden Sancho, it's done. It's a done deal. I think that he will come to the football club. I don't think there's any issue with that. Terms were agreed. Um, we now see that Borussia Dortmund seem fairly happy with with the price that Manchester United will be happier at, and and there will be some haggling, and it might get done before the Euros. It might not get done before the Euros. But what does Jaden Sancho bring to your team? He brings goals and he brings assists, and he brings them in plentiful numbers. If you could bring in a right-sided player that gets you, say, even 20 goals and 25 assists, you're probably going to win the title this next season, potentially. You're, you're there, you're closer, but you need supplementation, Haydar. So it doesn't mean that you can buy that player for $88, 5000000 and just think that everything is kind of clicked and it works. You've got to then kind of look at how do you balance the books while improving so for me i talked a lot about obviously uh harland and the center forward position and i do think that the way to win a title is to obviously have the solid base at the back but to find ways of scoring goals with more efficiency and i think that's an issue for united it's certainly been anti-martial's problem this year is scoring with efficiency he hasn't done that and that's been a problem so what do you do? Cavani's going to be still there. You're still going to have Greenwood. You're going to have to find a center forward that scores you goals and helps with the workload at the top end of the pitch along with Jadon Sancho. So if I'm looking at it with my purse strings, I would probably be looking at someone in that 30 to 50 million pound bracket to be able to bring someone in who will score you goals, but can also play along the front line. And I think the player that looks most suited at the moment, and I know United fans won't like it. And we, I think we mentioned him at the top of the show is Danny Ings. I think Danny Ings, in terms of a one year on his contract at the moment, happy with it. Some, someone, someone who will come in and can give you uh, a lot of play in the channel, uh, is an elite finisher in front of goal, um, is a worker, like his press is outrageous. He's in a team that uh, Southampton's had a bad year this year. He still got his numbers pretty much, not as much as he would have wanted to. And he did have an injury. And I think with him, that's a, that's a question. Is the Rob, let me bring
1: his numbers up here um, sure. because they are they are fantastic, actually. So just to give a bit of context, so wh- which ones you want
0: to focus on? I've got Cavani's here as well, and we can compare them. Um, I think when you when you look at a player, and I talked about the press, but you, you're looking at someone who's involved in in scoring goals. So his SCA there is kind of sixty five percent, which is okay. It's not it's not outrageously good. It's about sixty three. But what his metrics show overall is that he is he is a progressive talent. He's that kind of player. So he's not a kind of stand up forwards, what as I call like number nine. He's not going to do that, but he will do you a little bit more of that false nine row. He will drop in. He'll kind of double team with people. He'll work with his wider players, and I think he can do that. He's certainly not the sexiest name and he's not the best centre forward in the world. But you have to give something. If you're going to go and get Sancho and you're going to pay 80, 90 million, you're going to have to find a striker that fits your wage bill. You're going to have to find a striker that comes in and that might be able to give you two or three or four years. But then the other option, Haydar is just to kind of stick and kind of go, well, do you know what? I'm bringing in Sancho. So I'm going to go with Martial. I'm going to say to Martial, you've got another year, mate. This is your chance. Go and prove yourself. Go and get me 20 goals here. Because we know Martial can score 20 goals. We know this. And if Sancho's closer to him, he might well do that. He might get those assists he That's needs. something I actually wanted
1: to say is that, you know, we're completely discounting the fact that if Sancho comes in and we'll bring up Sancho, I'll bring Sancho's up again in a second, but his creativity, Rob, is through the roof compared to any other uh, winger that we currently have in terms of yeah. Rashford or Greenwood, that that surely will help. Martial's had a really bad season, but if there's more, it's, it's just a numbers game. The more supply that comes in, the higher that your chances are of converting.
0: It's a numbers game, and it's also trying to find ways of winning every week. Like I said there, you don't always have to play well to win. It's about it's about stylistic qualities. How do you, how do you make your team be in a position to win every week, even when you're not fantastic? Well, putting a Jaden Sancho on the right is a really first big step. United might go the other way, Haydar they might go, yep, Sancho's done, but we're actually going to pass on Sancho because we've now got this deal with Harry Kane. So Harry Kane's um, people are exploring deals for him. And I've talked about Harry Kane a lot. I think his injuries are a problem, but there's no doubt that Harry Kane is probably in the top three strikers in the world. And you might go that route, the kind of Van Persie route, where you go, yep, I'll take him. He does get injuries like Van Persie did. Van Persie was an injury-prone player at Arsenal. But you do know that if you keep him fit for a year, he's probably going to score you 40 goals, get you 12 assists, and you're going to be very, very close to whoever gets close to winning that title. So that's one option for United. Whether that will happen, I don't know. That's that's pure speculation. But it starts with Jaden Sancho. And I think if you, if you start with Jaden Sancho on the right-hand side, Ole did say the other day, and I think this is, this is true, and he said it for a reason, he's looking at three players. He'd like to bring three players into the club. One of those players is definitely Jaden Sancho. And I think the other two positions at the moment as it stands... Mm-hmm. Is centre-back and centre-forward. So, yeah. you know, unless Paul Pogba leaves the club, then I don't think they'll talk about midfielders too much. There'll be no replacing Fred, replacing McTominay. These are all functional players that, that do perform their function, even though people don't like them. As you've said to me as well off-air about Fred, when you look at his metrics, he's really up there. You know, it really shows that he does do his job. He just makes stupid mistakes sometimes, and it kind of drills United's heads in. Fans are like, what's he doing? What you've got to so it-
1: do, though, Rob, is that I think Fred and McTominay... Look, I think as a partnership, they're not going to win you the title. But I think if you brought in some more quality next to one of them, where you can play, because Fred does have those qualities. You looked at at his, um, especially his defensive numbers were fantastic. If you had someone next to him who could pass it a little bit better... Then I do think that that's okay for them to play. Or you I get think someone, get, you, you get people to
0: step up. You get people to step up. Hey, do you, you challenge the squad? You say we we are here, but we want to be there. But I'm going to give you guys to go. I'm going to get one of the kids and say, do you know what? Let's see if you can play in a double pivot because we like what we see in you. You might be young. You, Ghana, you, maybe you like might that. be exactly. You might be the long term solution. Now, I'm not saying. I will say this: the double pivot doesn't win you the title. It doesn't. The double pivot doesn't really win you games. The double pivot is functional. It allows other parts of the pitch for you to win. In matches and if I've got Jaden Sancho flying forward I want a double pivot that's disciplined so I've got no problem with McFred I would like an upgrade in there but this isn't fantasy football you know there isn't unlimited budgets you can't just buy in every position every week because you fancy it there's no doubt, yep, I can find a player. If I got Basuma for 50 million, I would love to have Basuma maybe doing that kind of floating eight, six, eight role where you could have someone who runs a little bit more box to box and has that in him. But does that do Do I feel that I win title with that? Probably not either. So I think United at the moment, they will look at Pal Torres and we'll talk about him in a minute. And I think they'll look at Jaden Sancho. And I think that those are the two building blocks in terms of where United want to be next year. And then it will be a case of investigating centre forwards. If they get those two players, they will not be getting Harry Kane. That will not be a thing. He's going to cost 150, 140 million around that mark. And I don't think the Glazers are going to authorise that as it stands. Is but he it going to get does priced that... out of move,
1: Rob? Rob? Do you think? Do what? Sorry? You think he's going to get priced out of a move? Um,
0: there, is, there is every chance that. that that Tottenham won't find a buyer in the current market. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that he's gone and did this interview with Gary Neville, I think that was telling. You know, even though he didn't really say anything too bad, he talked a little bit about aspirations like, oh, I love Kevin De Bruyne or winning trophies, I want to do this. I don't want no regrets. It's a classic thing that players say just before they leave. Van Persie did it at Arsenal. Remember the, 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 the little the- kid. It, it was all on the table, wasn't it? It was all on the table. There's this contract. He just had signed his contract, and he went, I'm going to Man United. So yeah. I think that's how it works. And I think it's more about finding a way for Harry Kane to find his next destination. I wouldn't be surprised if Harry Kane ends up at Real Madrid or Barcelona, because they are clubs that are in a kind of desperation situation. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Real Madrid said, yeah, we'll take Paul Pogba for 60 to 80 million. Or whatever the money will be, and we'll take Harry Kane for 120 to 130. So they can get, if they can get those players for those prices, that fits their needs more than, say, Manchester United's. I don't think United will be buying a Sancho and a Torres and then going, right now, we're going to spend 100 million on striker. Yeah, they're more likely to wait and then activate Haaland's clause in 12 months' time. So I think that. Harlem will find it difficult to find a buyer in the current market. Maybe
1: next year, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so because of the, the clause. But I also do think that Dortmund would be quite keen to offload him. For a very big price. So if someone comes in with a a one twenty or one forty or something like that, and he's worth that market value, that's really what he's worth. But who do you? It's a small market. So who who do you go and get? Who, who actually does that? United won't be one of those teams. I think United are pretty set on Sancho. I think they see that he's a long term number seven at the football club. They'll market around him. Sancho and Rashford and Greenwood. It's kind of got rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's kind of it's a it's a sexy front line. You know these young these young English kids. Uh, running the lines for United in the channels, I can see that happening, and I think that Sancho is. I think he it's appealing to him. I think that Liverpool is an option for him if Salah went, but I also think Chelsea is an option, and I think Manchester United are still the front runners for his signature.
1: Uh, one thing to add about Real Madrid, Rob, is it's likely Zidane's going to leave, so it looks like Allegri is going to take over or something like that. So they're going to spend, aren't they, with a the new manager? That's just and Barcelona yep. could be without Cumin as well. You never know. So. Yeah. You know, these things have got to be taken into consideration. Um, Rob, just to look at some of Sancho's numbers, and I want to compare them with Marcus's because um, we know what Marcus offers, but Sancho, like I've said, been saying for a while, he's a creator. And you can see this. I mean, looking at, at passes attempted as well, 99th percentile. Marcus is hitting at around 56th percentile. And that's you're seeing a difference with United. They're looking more threatening, aren't they, with Paul on the left because of the fact they're retaining the ball better. And It'd when you look crazy, as well... Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you look at... Um, it's quite funny because you're looking at Sancho and you're thinking he's almost like he's a winger or let's say a forward. We all say wide forward, but he's got qualities of someone like Paul Pogba, someone who's more of a ball player. And when you're thinking about breaking down low blocks and things like that, James Sancho is going to be invaluable to that. And a few other statistics yeah. here, Rob, I'm just going to have a look at, you know, progressive passes. He's 97th percentile. If you look at Marcus, we know Marcus is a really good carrier. Um, Marcus's progressive passes is 68th percentile. No surprises there. Progressive carries is surprising with Marcus. 58th percentile. You're looking at uh, Sancho with 97th percentile. Mm-hmm. That has do you think Marcus's injury as well has impacted these numbers? It's something I thought about when I was looking when I was collecting everything. I was thinking. Marcus's numbers are great, but in terms of his goals and assists, but you can tell that his performances are been getting steadily worse and worse because he's just not fit. And, and I think, you know, with more rest, not playing as much, someone like Sancho coming in, Mason will play more as well. People are worried that if Sancho comes in, Mason won't play. Mason will play number nine. Cavani can't play week in, week out. He's getting an extra year, but I still think Mason will play that a bit more. We might see Bruno as a false nine. With more fresh Marcus Rashford, I think you're going to see the player that we know he can be.
0: Yeah, I, I don't believe his metrics over the whole of the season have been affected massively by the injuries. I agree with what you said before and what we've said on the programme before, that he's played injured and that affects him his effectiveness in games, like in terms of the press. So it's harder to press when you can't run as fast or you can't get to the ball as quickly. Those things, I think, are are important, kind of the running stats. <clears throat> but Marcus has just had one of his best ever seasons for goals and assists ever. I think it is his best season for goals and assists. So his effectiveness on a football pitch, he, he's up there with the best left-sided forwards in the world. He really, really is in terms of his goals and his, and his assists. What I do think is that if you bring in Jaden Sancho who can play across the front line and then we've also got to look at Anthony Martial's involvement here. Like, I don't think there's a there's a big market for... for Anthony Marshall at the moment I think he'll be at the club next year there's you given that chance then to say to Marcus you're injured we'll give you two or three weeks off mate go on holiday but we've not been there like we just talked about rotation and no one would be happy say six months ago with Dan James getting a 10 match run in the team you know that's not where we were or you know in terms of rotation or how to get players in and out of the squad so I think Marcus fits into that pocket and it's really really difficult to say that that his actual overall numbers have been affected. I don't think that he's that kind of player. He's not like Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho is great at those other metrics in terms of creativity because he is a creator. The reason why Rashford's creative numbers are not great is because he's not a creator. He is a player that likes to run, like I said, at the top of the show. That's one of the reasons why you play Paul Pogba there closer to uh, to Bruno, keeping it tighter, picking the lock, allowing the number nine to spin off his marker a little bit more. And you play this kind of short ball game around the box that United have not been good at for years. And I don't think it's Marcus Rashford. I still don't think he's particularly good at it. He still makes bad decisions when he's in that kind of short ball scenario.
1: Absolutely, Rob. Uh, question here before we move on to centre-backs and, and then the final word. But... Um why did we sign police street looks to be signed to of fans not for not signing sancho no he's look he's a young lad and it's, it's about depth isn't it yeah look he's doing really well at alavej um mm-hmm. you know he's had a good he's had a good time there i think he would probably go out online loan again it's just, we need to be a little bit careful with these lads same with ahmad as well you know fans are saying Ahmed looks fantastic but yeah. I still don't see Oli trusting him week in week out. I don't think he's ready to play week in week out.
0: At the start of the season, United fans kicked off with this, with that final transfer window. And that was obviously the Cavani transfer window. And most United fans hated it because they looked at it as bringing in kind of bit part players, pawns in a game of chess. They didn't really see it as being major pieces on the board. Uh, and they were right. But the whole idea was that United needed to strengthen kind of more holistic way. I'll get my favorite word in on our final show. Um, I think when you look at Palestri, he's certainly one for the future. He's not ranked as highly as Ahmed. Ahmed is kind of much more of a of a rounded talent already at 18. And I think you'll see Ahmed take on maybe the Mason Greenwood path towards the first team, is that he will get more minutes, but he'll start off from the bench. He'll play more centrally at times. I think we look at Palestri, I think he should go out on loan again. We don't need him at the club at the moment. If you buy Jadon Sancho, there's every chance that Pelestri never plays for Man United because you've solved a problem on that right-hand side. However, if you went with Harry Kane and you don't get Sancho and you go that route, then maybe there's a door open for Palestri to return a little bit sooner and also for Ahmed to play more games on the right, or him or Mason. So there's different combinations to go in here. I don't think it's too much of a problem. I think you got by buy for your squad. And that's why I liked that transfer window, even though there was no real kind of star status to it. Again, not particularly sexy, just more functional. Sometimes you have to do that. That's life. You know, you've got to kind of get it in there and make sure that you've got the right pieces in the right place. And I think that Ole did that quite well. And Palestri, a nice young player, but whether he's the player that that we need at the moment. It's too early to say he's young and, and he was picked up because he was highlighted by the scouting system and the scouting system has been a lot better in the last couple of years than it has been for the last kind of 10 years.
1: Well, I did a really great po- podcast with uh, Simon Edwards, who's uh, you know a South American expert. And he was saying about Pellestri as well. They don't even know what his best position is yet, Rob, because yeah. he can play on the right, which he has done for Alaves. But when you look at him, he's probably not going the pace to play on the right. And he's, you know, he's quite tenacious. You know, it's a lot of people tenacious. saying, yeah, a lot of people are saying, you know, he could. He likes he to tackle, could, yeah. Like, yeah, likes to tackle. Like these Urugu- Uruguayan lads. Look at Cavani. You know, they're they're hard as nails. You know, the, as Simon said, they're prepared from a very young age to not play in the Uruguayan league in Uruguay. They're 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 trained and they're conditioned to go to Europe and and you know mm. be very very successful over there. So you look at Luis Suarez, as another player, Rob, who we don't like him, but he's he's a fantastic talent and he's got they've got this like. It's a bit of grit to them, isn't it? They've got a bit of a bite. is the same. So Peleschi, I think, will probably end up playing. He can play as an eight, apparently. He can play as a 10. I think he'll end up as a 10. Look, he wouldn't be a bad option, Rob. I think he needs another loan, but Juan Mata probably is going to leave. Someone like Peleschi to replace Mata, you're not doing too badly there, you know. And United picked him up for pennies. It was like, what, five, six, seven, eight million, something like that. So Mm. let's just be patient with these young lads because they're they're not ready yet. And, um, you know, we don't know how they're going to look because some players. Develop later some players obviously look fantastic early on and then fizzle out so it's too early to say um it, look let's move on to the center back united are looking at them i'll bring up paul torres again what have you heard in this respect is it does it seem that united are definitely targeting sancho plus the center back um and the reports coming out there's a very very reliable villarreal uh journalist I, I can't remember his name but he's the most reliable he said that that united are very interested and they're looking to to possibly close this um for the Euros. But um, we looked at him last week. Progressive carries eighty-six percentile. Progressive passes 82nd. He's a really... And look at his dribbles as well. 94th percentile. He's a really good player. Really good ball-playing centre-back. Is it likely that we're looking at him or someone like Rafael Varane? And the, the report suggests that Varane isn't going to sign a new deal.
0: Um, United have scouted Torres extensively for a year. Extensively. And he is kind of top of their wish list. And it would really be a case of, do they take the opportunity to take a long-term target like Varane? And Varane's been a, a target for forever, since the Sir Alex days. days. Um, and they kind of go and finally get a play like that. Does he take you to the next level? Do you see Varane as your Van Dijk? And there is, a, there is comparisons there in terms of style of play and how his experience is, obviously, at Real Madrid. Or do you go with, you know... The, the more of the young buck, someone who's a, who's taking his place uh, in the Spanish team, shown at Villarreal that he maybe is ready for a big step up uh, and you go that route. The big issue here comes along with who plays left and who plays right of the centre-back. So we know that Maguire plays on the left because predominantly left-footed, but he is two-footed. And we've seen that Victor Lindelof obviously plays on the right. Now, we also saw that obviously when Harry dropped out the team the other day, I think it's worth noting that Lindelof started on the left, he started on the right, and Lindelof looked absolutely inadequate on the left-hand side of that role. So there's every chance, I think, that Zabi for the final will start on the left-hand side because he's more suited for it. But then you look at left-sided players in defence. Obviously, Luke Shaw is one of them, along with with Harry. If you could bring in someone like Paul Torres, what do you do then with a the problem that becomes Harry Maguire? And the problem is, is that you just move him to the right. Harry Maguire can do it. He can still he can still look after those areas the way he looks after them because he's not about pace. His game's not about that. He's more about being a progressive passer now and a progressive mover through the pitch. If he has a player next to him like Pau Torres, not particularly quick. Well, he's just been playing next to Victor Lindelof for two years. I don't think it's a big deal for him and for United's defence. But do United become a better team with Pau Torres? I think the answer is yes. I think they become a better start in eleven, And I also think that they become a better start in eleven with Varane. So it's easy for United to kind of decide which one. You've got to decide who takes them forward. I think Varane would be the sexy name. Uh, it doesn't mean that obviously Varane will be more expensive. We know that he's kind of going at a cut rate because of his contract. Um, but I th- I've got a sneaky feeling that United will lean towards Torres. They've scouted him so long and he is kind of deemed as the future. Someone that you can kind of build around he's, he's kind of like the way that when City bought Laporte it's a similar kind of signing that you've got someone who you can build around and here we are now a year later Laporte can't even get in that team but that's kind of how I think United see it in terms of the generation of defenders I think we'll see that it might well be Torres and I do think <coughs> that if they get Sancho that they will still look to buy a centre-back.
1: Something I want to add about Torres Rob and it's a bit of a frustration of mine is that I think fans need to stop looking at the pace element and be like, oh, he's another Lindelof. Yes, he's a little bit weak on the high ball. I agree with that. But there's so much more upside to it. And this is a problem. I think fans need to watch a player more than a couple of times. Watch them. You know, I've watched Pau Torres maybe 10 to 12 times now just to get a better feel for it. He he isn't quick, Rob. He really isn't. And there are elements of Lindelof. But we said about Lindelof already. already. He's not a bad footballer. He's actually a really. Ruben
0: Dias isn't quick, is he? And and John Stones, no, they're not quick defenders either. It's the yeah. way
1: that um, it's the way that Paul Torres reads the game. And you talk to any Arsenal fan, the way he played in those two legs, he was he was one of the best mm. players on the pitch. He's a really good pass. He's a really good carry. I mean, there's a question here from. Or a, or a comment here from Cohen saying, I suggest we play power on the right to take the inside pass of the uh, inside Correct. pass. Could do of one second. possible, yeah. And that's that's yep. option. I don't think it's going to happen. But just, just
0: to just to address the pace element, sorry, hey, to jump in. Right. The, the fact is that if you stick, if you go, if you have Maguire and Torres as your starting pair, you've got tons of pace with Baye and two and Zabi, they're both rapid. So if you if you have to go and mark. Um, you know, you you have to go mark uh, Jamie Vardy running in behind you and you want to play a three, you play with your starting two and you put two and Zabie or Baye in the middle to go and track that runner. So, like you said, it's not as big a problem as maybe 12 months or 24 months ago. If you could have gotten up a Meccano, great. But again, bringing up a Meccano, there is, some ga- there is a gamble there in terms of how you want to bring in a player like that in the same way that whenever you look at quick centre-backs, if they've got deficiencies in their technical game, is that that also hinders you. So I think at the moment, a technical centre-back with a technical centre-back like Maguire is probably a better choice for the whole centre-backs that they've actually got at the football club.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a comment here regarding Varane. Let me just read out some of Varane's um, metrics here. Mm -hmm. So in terms of uh, progressive passes, Varane's 38th percentile progressive carries, 59th. Uh, dribbles, 50th percentile. So he's not. He's not, not as progressive, yeah. no. Not at all. Look, we all know Rafael, or I think that Rafael Varane is a fantastic player. He's got a couple of injury problems, or his injury record's not the best. And a comment here from Chris, uh, Chris here, Rob saying, personally, I don't want Varane. He has won it all. So will he have that hunger? And over the past 14 months, he's been shaking, injury prone, mm-hmm. and Real wants 60 million. Well, what's, your, what's, your, what's your view on that comment? Because I think it's very difficult for us to turn around and say, without knowing the player, oh, he's the players aren't hungry. Fans do that a lot, don't they? We see it all the time. Oh, he's old, he's not hungry. I think that's it's very it's it's one of those like cliche sort of terms that fans say and it look Rafael Varan has won it all. That's a positive Rob. He's he comes he comes with pedigree. United don't have enough winners in this side who have won it all. And it also again this might sound silly but Paul Pogba you know could be a big factor in Varan coming as well because they are good friends in the team. But what I will say with Rafael Varan is that if he comes to us, Paul Torres is going to Real Madrid. That's yeah. that's what will
0: probably happen. Yeah, that's the that's what not, you might have to decide. You know, who, where do they roll the dice? And I, I think, you know, from the footballers that I know and the people that I've met in the game from my job, there's no doubt that winners are winners that's what you want you want people who have an elite mentality and feel that losing is is unforgiving that you don't want it I'll give you an example someone like Rio Ferdinand Rio Ferdinand came to Manchester United from Leeds United been at West Ham came through those systems did really really well obviously we signed him for a record free for a centre-back and he comes to United and he gets taught how to win and he gets taught to become a player that might have been a little bit flaky on the ball to being someone who was you know Demonly efficient with his passing and play out from the back. He could dribble, he could start every attack. And as he used to say, you know, when United lost the odd game, he'd go home and not sleep because he just couldn't, because he just felt so bad. Now that's a that might be a mental health thing as well, but at the same time, it's about that mentality of going, I'm here to win. We want players to come to Man United like Bruno Fernandes did. Bruno Fernandes came and said, I am coming to win. Paul Pogba is saying the right things at the moment. If I'm staying, I'm only staying to win. I'm not staying for a big wage. I'm staying because I need to win trophies because I've got a very short window to win. If Varane comes to the football club, and that's how it is, uh, there's no doubt for me that Varane's coming to the Premier League to win. He's not coming for a wage. He already gets a really big wage. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs a new deal at Real Madrid because... It's just the way it goes. And as you said there, it all depends on Torres. Torres himself might fancy Real Madrid more than Manchester United. That might be something that he likes. Therefore, that opens the door for Varane to come to United if they're looking to sell to make some money back on that. There's lots of combinations here. But if you sign winners, don't get funny about winners. I know people look at maybe Di Maria and Falcao and they look at that period and say, oh, you know, Schweinsteiger was a winner. There there was big downsides for all of those players that United signed in that Galactico period, one of them being that Ed Woodward knows nothing about football and should not have been authorising any kind of transfer. But we're we're different now. We do have a much better structure in terms of recruitment. And I think that if you you get Varane, happy days. I'll be happy with either of those two centre-backs. I think that they would upgrade United's defence. And if you upgrade that defence and just concede seven, eight, nine, ten less goals a season, you will definitely be title challengers.
1: Hundred percent, Rob. And let's go to the final word. Where do United you know go from here? I'm, I'm going to give my short, short assessment on this. Look, I wanted us to be within single-digit points of the top, and we weren't far off that. I wanted us to get far in the Champions League. We failed miserably on that. I was very unhappy after the Champions League uh, exit. I questioned Ollie, You know, I s- questions regarding Oli. I'm looking at in. Long, long term, actually at the end of the day, he needs to sign, we need to get the new contract signed and just back him. He just needs to be backed. If he wants a player, the club needs to get him that player because that's what he wants, because he's got an idea of how he, that player fits into the system. What I will say though is that he is probably a manager that, that gets questioned more than any other top manager. He gets a more of a rougher ride than any other top manager. Um, you know, there's managers out there like Lampard and like Arteta who who have done much much worse than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has what I will say as well is that this is I would say probably the best Manchester United have been since Sir Alex Ferguson Uh, I think you can't deny that consecutive finishes in top four so Champions League again is a a great sort of platform to build off Um, and United just need to just improve and tweak these few things in the side and, and we could be looking at a challenge next season
0: yeah, I agree with you. And I th- I think as well, you know, if you look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think the flack that he gets from Manchester United fans is not only repulsive at times because it is but it's just based on nothing except emotion it's based on nothing except of how I feel about something so I know that there's lots of guys and girls who kind of like don't like Ole because he's a he, you know he, he might not talk as well on a mic as a Mourinho he doesn't dress as well as Pep he hasn't got Klopp's kind of your sharp uh, analysis of the game and all of that. He's not Pochettino is another problem for him. You know, this is these are all the issues of why he's not there. But we'll tell you this is that Olegon Solskjaer is the second best manager in the league this year. He is. And he also took his team to a chat, uh, to a UEFA um, league final. So when you look at those things, and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in Europa on Wednesday and fingers crossed we get the result that we want. You can't blame things on individual games and cup finals and all of that because they are nice things to get to and they're a bit of silverware. And like I said earlier on to you before about Leicester, you know, Leicester have won the FA Cup. They'll remember that forever. But, hey, they came fifth. That's a failure. Manchester United haven't failed in their week-to-week task in the Premier League this year. They have succeeded. They've got to where they want to be this year. Now, of course, you want to improve next year, and that really is the final word, is that you've got to find ways to improve, and that comes through your transfers, and it comes through your tactics. But what we won't see is that United won't massively kind of deviate away from the plan that we're seeing. And we might still see a kind of jackal and hyde United next year, is so that we might have runs of like 10 really good games and then a couple of bad ones and 10 really good games and a couple of bad ones. Cause that's kind of how the script has been. But if that's how it is, that doesn't mean it's always Ole's fault. I know he takes the can because he's the manager; he's got to carry it. That's how things are. That's football. But no one's sat here and having a go at Klopp, are they? No one's sat here and saying your team has just sneaked into fourth. They're not doing that. So I think with Ole is that a lot of it gets thrown at him just because of his personality, how he how he is. But also well, it's, who, it's a, who he
1: is, isn't it, Rob?
0: That's it's the right. kind of person he is. It's very very easy that he because he doesn't seem like the most gregarious character, and and in football, you know, most of it is pantomimes. You know, it's about how someone presents themselves. Then fans buy all of that. They love it all. They're kind of just like cosmetics, Hadar. They just buy it all and slap it on their faces and think it's fantastic whatever that's fine if you want to do that but sometimes your manager doesn't need to be the sexiest one I've used that word a lot today in football and I and I see that because Sir Alex wasn't when Sir Alex came from Aberdeen all those years ago he was absolutely not the sexy choice and it took him four years to find a way to win so it does take time Uh, Ole's had two and a half years now we're kind of at the end of this season and now he's going to get another season to do it I agree with you I have challenge Rob next next season has to challenge, but again, hey, Dar, it's, it's about it's there's it's about relativity. So, we want United to take steps forward always. That's how we do it. That's why I always say wait to the end of a season. But the, the variables of what is success changes over time. So, if this United team doesn't get improved because they don't buy in the transfer market well, it won't be better next year, and that will be just because the players are not. Good enough. It won't be because it might not, because Ole might get Sancho and United might be six, and then we'll be having a different conversation going on. He probably should go because he's not got the most out of that big signing. So it's different. I don't ever like to say he has to do this because I think those kind of again, binary terms are not reality. It's not. It's really not reality. What is reality is we need to keep seeing some form of improvement, some form of moving forward. And I think we've seen it this year. I think we saw it last year. And I think that Ole, from the day one since he's come in, it's not been perfect, but he's getting the club to maybe something that resembles Manchester United a lot more than it ever did in the managers between him and Sir Alex. And they're playing a brand of football, I think is more pleasing on the eye, but they've just got to now take it to the next level. If you bring in a Sancho and you start to compete for the title, fantastic. But you've also got to rely that Man City are not as good this year. You know, if Man City go and win 22 on the bounce, it doesn't matter how good you are. You might win 17 on the bounce and still be 10 points behind them. So you've got to then wait for history to kind of unfurl itself in the present and the, and the future. And then you can kind of make those choices. But I think it's been a really, really good season. I think the Europa League final could be the cherry on the cake. But they've done a really good job this year to make sure that kind of the the proof is in the pudding, in the tasting. And I think week to week to week, United have got it right, most of all, tactically. They've won matches. Home form was disappointing. Away form was illustrious. And they've got to find that balance between the two. That will be success for me. If they can do what they're doing away from home and be hard to beat, but win most of their home matches, I'll be happy with that
1: you know and just add to that as well Rob I'd absolutely love Oli to win this Europa League you know it'd be it'd be fantastic one thing I will add is that being a manager of Manchester United under these, this ownership we haven't spoken about them but it's mm. it's, it's very much an, a job where you're operating with one arm behind your back and ultimately at the end of the day my view on this is that he's taken this current crop of players as far as he can I think he's hit a ceiling with them and I think you know it a lot of next season's success depends on who comes in through the door in the summer? Because you're looking at teams around. Chelsea are going to get better. Liverpool will probably get better as well. Um, you know, obviously City as well. So it is a. It's look. There's a lot of really good teams and a lot of clubs who are who want to win. And ultimately, at the end of the day, whilst people have grips about Ole going to shot, the bigger problem and the thing that will hold United back if he doesn't get who he wants is those people up above
0: potentially um you know you just said there this group of players can't get better i disagree with that i think through coaching and through repetition and finding your way you can get better there's no doubt about it you can pass a ball better in terms of metrics overall over a period of season if you improve and we see that at every football club all the time it's about improving your core with what you've also got but adding to it so i think it's about being sympathetic to that um I think the thing with the Glazers is that the bigger issue with them is about the structure of the ownership and how we are with stuff and how the club is um, with the share scheme. And is that something that they are now willing to talk about? And that's fine. And we can do that. But I don't actually think that in terms of the transfer market, as we stand... That is where the problem is. It's been that United's recruitment over a 10-year period has been horrible. And it was horrible even going back into the final years of Sir Alex. So let's not kid ourselves. It's been a long term, long burning problem. So I think Ole has sorted a lot of that out in terms of the recruitment structure. Now I have a director of football, obviously, and we have a direct a kind of, uh, more of a more set academy structure that we didn't have going back two, three, four years ago. So those are all positives. I still think United can improve from within. Even if you didn't sign one player, you could still make this squad better. And this squad currently is second. You just said Chelsea are going to get better. They said that last year when they spent £250 million. They haven't got better. They lost today to Aston Villa. Yeah, They're going to say Liverpool are going to get better. No one can say that. No one knows how they'll be when Van Dyke comes back. They could be worse. Van Dyke might not recover from his knee injury. They might get worse. Again, you're looking at Leicester. Leicester are fifth and supposed to be the best team in the world in terms of the story. They came fifth. They were in in the top top four for 250 days and they failed. So I look at United and think there's stuff we can improve inside. But if you add Torres and you add Sancho, you're in it. You're in it to win it. You can move on. You can then take what you have and say to Scott McTominay and say to Fred, get out there and work on your short yard passing because you're better than this. You're better than what you're giving me. Here's your metrics. Fred, you're actually one of the best midfielders in Europe in co- according to metrics, but I need another 5%. I need a little bit more. So I think that's important. Demand the best. Make sure that the players there know exactly what Manchester United is about and what we want to do. We want to win, but you've also got to add the players that get you there. And it's not always about spending 250, 300 a year. You go and get Havertz, I would have love those players, but they've gone to Chelsea and done nothing in year one but you hope for them that they'll do better in year two I'm sure they will but that's a Chelsea problem not a Manchester United one and I think we've got players at our club who are going to be really really good Greenwood is going to score loads more goals Ahmed is going to be really good Shortier is going to be really really good Hannibal you saw today don't blink on him. He's going to be a really, really top midfielder one day. He looks and like you, a
1: unit, Robin. He's only, what, 18? Look
0: at it. Exactly. So, like you know, you can't win anything with kids, can you? Yes, you can. So I would like to see those kids promoted. They will play more minutes. If they're good enough to rotate, Hadar, rotate them in. If they're not good enough, then obviously they'll go out on loan. But United just need to make the right sign into summer, which I know is a kind of selective process. I think it starts with Sancho. I think it might end with... Um, with a with a centre-back. Could be Varane, who knows. Um, it could be Torres. And I don't know if United would add much more around that. If they get those two players this year, that might be all they do in this window. And they might then kind of hold fire to the next window to see if they need another midfielder. They're not going to add a £50 million Basuma on top just to add it because they need another central midfielder. They'll do it all pragmatically and they'll do it within the cross cost provision. And that's the right way to do it as well. Don't overspend in a time when overspending could put clubs futures in trouble. It's up to the Glazers to make sure that the debt of the football club doesn't cripple the team going forward.
1: Absolutely. And guys look that you know that brings us to an end for our season review i just want to say and i know rob will echo my thoughts on this but thank you so much for all your support it's been such a great experience this season you know myself and rob started this i remember the first unofficial one was really after united lost 6-1 to spurs rob uh, where we did nearly over a two-hour session and that was that was like therapy wasn't it but our first official one was against psg when we beat them away a fantastic way to start the masterclass and it's just gone from strength to strength and you know you're the reason why we do this you know the the response and the the feedback has been incredible especially on the last show and you know we we are committed to making sure that we have quality content like this we're not going to shout we're not going to scream we'll have reasoned analysis we'll go into the numbers but we'll also not make it so number heavy that it's it's boring quite frankly and um you know we're really excited to be building this masterclass family this is episode 44 which is crazy we've done that in one season rob and it's just been a really great experience
0: Yeah, it has totally. And, you know, we're really grateful and humbled by all of our audience, everyone that joins us every week and numbers that we've been getting. Um, You know, I always say, I've said this at the start of the season as well, you know, we're not a fan channel in the sense that we're going to give you that crazy emotion and the tears. And when United lose, we're going to be upset. But I tell you what, me and Haydar are both absolutely distraught when United lose just because we'd like any other football fan. The point is is that we try and give the audience something a little bit more. you know rather than giving you crumbs, we want you to eat well and that's kind of how we are as a as a as a show or what we want to produce. Next season, we want to give you even more depth. We want to make sure that the stats all make sense to you. Uh, we want to know that your questions are kind of on point and we will answer them and we'll be with you. And, and that's really important. The interaction with you guys is really key to what we do and how we build, but it's also about you guys sharing the show and telling people by word of mouth, and us being a kind of credible podcast. Uh, we're really, really happy with the numbers, especially on, on Twitter, the numbers we get, you know, in the thousands every show. We're really, really pleased with that. Uh, and we'll give it to you again next next year, no doubt about it. In the summer, we'll do specials. We might do double pivot specials on you if you really want it. You know, you know, what is Scott McTominay? Is he real? You know, what does he actually do? We'll do all these things for you. Be sure to tweet us and tell us the kind of shows that you want over the summer because we'll fill that gap that will be there in the Euros. Not everyone likes international football. I know I don't. I have to work on it, but I don't always love it. Um, and if we want to keep it United-centric and they make a big sign-in like Jaden Sancho, then we'll give you a two-hour special on Jaden Sancho. We'll tell you how he laces his, his boots, what he has for breakfast, what products he puts in his hair, and why he's the perfect player for Manchester United.
1: I echo that, and Rob, we've got a request here from Cohen saying if we win the Europa, you are voted to do a short tactical analysis on how United won in Gdańsk.
0: If United do, if United win the Europa League, we will do a masterclass special the following week on it. And
1: he's saying here like one of those Tifa videos, actually, you know, that is something which has, who's my brother, he's a producer, you know, it's been discussed. So possibly in the future, we'll change things up. So you guys need to let us know what you want to see? Because, you know, that's what really drives, uh, you know, the, the, great content so make sure you do that rob thank you very much for joining me for the last masterclass of the premier league season and of the 2021 and 21 season guys thank you for all your fantastic comments please 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 give a retweet you know share it with all your friends and family and anyone that's a united fan help us get this podcast out there because you know we'll be bringing more great content cheers rob and we'll see you next time